The Power Trip Podcast is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Media Podcast Network. Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And you're listening to The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers Zeo. Nathan, you know, yes, we're out, we're about, we're about five episodes in, this is episode five. Mm-hmm. And so how you feeling? Are you feeling, I don't know, stronger than before? Oh yes, I'm feeling stronger than before. Oh wait, wrong, wrong, completely inappropriate. Wrong. Not, no, no, no <laughs> we're not, no, no, Arnold is not welcome on this. Actually, Arnold would be totally welcome on this podcast. I'm not, I'm just gonna lie. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Arnold would be totally welcome on this podcast. But, I have no yeah, idea why he would come on a Power Rangers podcast but sure <laughs> i am arnold i'm here to talk i am here to talk about the rangers and their mighty powers can i be a power rangers too have you seen some of the have you seen some of the screenshots from one of the newer sentai shows where they have like this big hulk of a power ranger now or a ranger now it's so ridiculous oh the uh you're talking about the dom brothers stuff no uh, no well, it's not- actually the currently uh, the show that's currently running I think he's just like, oh, he's, uh, he looks massive. I don't know what the current season is. I know it's not Ryu soldier because yeah. that's was last yeah. time. Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe it's uh, Dawn Zing- brothers. Maybe it's Dawn no, brothers. Maybe no, no, it's the no. current show. I don't know. It's Zing. It's in Kiger. It's yeah. in Kiger. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. It's in Kiger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the current Sentai series. But honestly, I was, we were, um, I was out and about the other night. I stopped by the uh, the local pub here, and they had Batman Forever on television, of all things, <laughs> on one of the TVs. They were playing Batman Forever. And then I, I was sitting at the bar. I was talking with my friend, and I just randomly said, you know, Arnold kind of looks like a ranger villain in this movie. Like oh, no. So you're, you're, it's Batman and Robin. Batman Forever Batman and was Robin. Yeah, Batman, and For- right. uh, Batman Forever was Two-Face and the Riddler okay gotcha batman and robin i'm that's what i'm talking about sorry about that um but yeah arnold totally looks like a ranger villain in that movie (laughs) he does (laughs) and he's got the puns i mean (laughs) which we'll talk about a little bit here (laughs) ice to meet you (laughs) (laughs) what killed the dinosaurs the ice age (laughs) Which it's it's not out of the question because you know they're they're technically well I won't say technically I won't say technically Arnold's a part of Ranger Cannon but the Lizaneta the Lizaneta yeah <laughs> anyway which which is a clear which is a clear spoof on all like around like uh, of all the Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies going on at the time yeah like, that is, well, is hilarious well and just to let everybody know a little bit of preview for the next episode there will be arnold references to a, or at least references to a very specific arnold movie <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so looking forward to it. So yeah, this is a, this is one of our batch recording days, listeners with attitude. So we're going to be sitting down and and talking about Power Rangers Zio, and we're going to try to talk about Turbo, but we'll see how far we get. Shut up, shut up. Okay, you're way nicer than I am. Anyway, moving I, on. I'm I'm way I'm I'm oh, so much nicer to Turbo than you are. So just. Listeners with attitude, just just be prepared for that. But Nathan, I actually got some really exciting news for you. Oh, we got our first bit of listener feedback. Oh my and gosh! I don't, uh. And I don't I don't know what to call it. I know, like, I, I want to give it a, a catchy title or something. So maybe I should just call it the Power Mail. Power Mail. Uh. uh trying to I, I'm I running a bunch of different ideas for titles through my head listeners with attitude send us send us ideas for what to call the feedback section <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah we did we got our first little bit of feedback and I just want to say this if you want to send us feedback uh, you can do so by emailing the podcast at powertrippod at gmail.com or you can send feedback to our to us on Twitter by going to power trip the power trip podcast on twitter i almost forgot our twitter handle um so you can send us feedback there and we are going to read we will read that feedback just like we're about to in just a moment so nathan do you want to take us into the feedback yes the subject line for the email is looking forward to it it comes to us from carl with a k fulmer <laughs> just wanted to say i'm excited for this journey through power rangers i was a fan when I was little, but it wasn't allowed in my house, so I was sneaking episodes and watching at a friend's house. Stopped during Zio because I got too cool slash too embarrassed to be a fan. Then I remember being in a hotel room and flipping channels to see Tommy was a ranger still? Again? I had no idea what uh, I was watching Dino Thunder, and it was very important. Years later, my kids find Ninja Steel on Netflix and Dimensions in Danger leads me back into the franchise where I'm a super fan again. I even started playing the game Heroes of the Grid from Renegade Games, and I would highly recommend it to any fans. Looking forward to going on this trip with you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carl. Um, and I can totally identify with everything Carl just said, because mm -hmm. as a as a longtime hardcore fan, I kind of fell off the series uh i kind of fell off the series around lost galaxy uh maybe just a little tiny bit after i remember catching glimpses of lightspeed rescue and glimpses of time force and then wild force thereafter on television on on uh on fox and then disney but i kind of fell off like right after or just right before that original saban era run of the show and so i totally get where he's coming from and honestly like i've said before on other shows like it just was not cool to be at least it didn't feel like that it didn't feel like this it just didn't feel cool to be a ranger fan back in the 90s or especially if you got to a point where um where you were in high school and maybe later in middle school where a lot of your friends maybe have grown out of this stuff by then and i like to say that you know liking power rangers and kaiju and all the things that i enjoy didn't get you a whole lot of dates in high school so i suppressed that i suppressed that a little bit for for several several years and then like we kind of talked about in our introductory episode go listen to that if you want an introduction on me and nathan and our background with the franchise i talked about 
uh, being, well, reintroducing myself to Power Rangers during quarantine, Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it had been a hot, it had been a long time since I'd been, since I had watched, uh, Power Rangers and I watched it on a whim and I've been on this journey, I've been on this journey ever since, and I have been loving every second of it. So Carl, I am right there with you, man. Yeah, I've. It's just like I said in that introductory episode. Remember when uh, <laughs> me, the English major, decides to bring in C.S. Lewis talking about how Lewis famously said that he secretly read fairy tales as a child, but then as an adult, he read them openly because he put away childish things. One of which being the <laughs> desire to be very grown up. And yeah. I unpack that a little bit about how only children are preoccupied with being mm-hmm. adults. It's such right. a paradox and it's a wonderful paradox because once oh, I got one, yeah. was once I got to college and I started to realize there were people who still enjoyed things like this and like, you know what? Let the let the nerd flag fly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, Carl said something else in his email that a lot of kids now, it wasn't so much me. It wasn't so much me because my parents, um, my parents were pretty lenient. Uh, I came from a very religious household. I came from a very religious household. So a a lot of, um, uh, a lot of things were off limits to me. Um, and it was my, my parents would pick really specifically. My mother would pick really weird things that I couldn't watch. Like I wasn't a law. I wasn't allowed to watch care bears because they did, because they did magic, but I was allowed to watch power rangers where if you knew the background of that original season rita repulsa is literally invoking the name of satan well bandora <laughs> is rita not quite close enough close <laughs> enough but she is practicing black magic so <laughs> yeah so i mean you would I think told you-, it, you would think that Parents would be able to look at that and say, well, they're the bad guys, so it's not a positive thing. Right. But they freak out just because it's there. Yeah. So, I mean, this was all part, and we've touched on this. We touched on this in the intro episode. Again, if you want to hear more, go listen to the intro. Uh, but we touched on a little bit of the what they call the satanic panic that happened in the 90s. And, you know, Power Rangers it started was not in a- the 80s, but it went into the 90s. Yeah, it, Power Rangers was definitely not immune to that. I remember seeing a lot of parents groups up in an uproar over the over the different themes and and whatnot, the violence and all that stuff in Power Rangers, and you know it kind of it kind of uh, it kind of caused the, the franchise to go in a slightly <laughs> different direction for better or for worse. We can argue that later, but it did cause the franchise to go into a slightly different direction yeah, uh, because yeah, of the, because yeah, of the outcry. Well, which we'll get into a little bit, even in this episode, because it kind of spilled mm-hmm. over. It did. It massively spilled over, but that's a good segue, Nathan, into what we're actually going to be talking about. So Nathan, go ahead and give us the plot synopsis for Power Rangers Zeo. Back to action. Here we go. With the command center destroyed and their powers gone, the Rangers find the fabled Zeo crystal amidst the rubble and discover Zordon and Alpha's new base, the power chamber. Thanks to the crystal, they become stronger than before with new costumes and zords. Meanwhile, the Moon Crew is displaced by the even eviler Machine Empire, who intend to expand their dominion over Earth. As King Mondo assaults the planet with robot monsters, old villains become two buffoons' pets, new allies are met, an old friend returns, and another one leaves. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, that I think that covers all of our bases. Um, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on with Power Rangers Zeo. And I remember, I remember this season being a big deal. Like it was a mm -hmm. huge deal. In fact, it was such a big deal that they did like a, like mini sods or mini episodes mm -hmm. after the, I think it was, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier. I think it was, um, after the rerun episodes of season three, they would do these little short, like one uh, they to were, two minute vignettes. No, they weren't even two minutes <laughs> or not even or maybe one minute at the most. They were what they would play instead of the today on Power Rangers, which was a thing. If you were too young to remember 90s TV, for some reason, when you started a lot of shows, they would basically say today, this is happening on the episode. And now we're going to show you I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they would put these little, they called them the Zeo serials. So they would show the, they were, like I said, at the most, maybe a minute, probably mm, closer yeah. to 30 seconds. And so they would be showing you just weird things that are going on. A lot of intrigue. Uh, later on, they started actually showing the supporting cast, but before that it was completely new characters. You had a, a couple of scientists some government officials and they're talking about all of these weird things like, you know, spotting UFOs and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then it would end by showing you a, the, a tiny, tiny smidgen of what would later be revealed to be the Power Rangers Zeo logo. Yeah. 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 It was, it was all, it was this, honestly, if when you, I found the video on YouTube because I mm -hmm. rewatched it this, I rewatched it this morning. Mm -hmm. and now, they're also available on the Power Rangers seasons four to like six or seven. I forget which one. It's a big uh, multi-season DVD set for Power Rangers, which is unfortunately long out of print. <laughs> I'm a little sad yeah. because I wanted that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it. Uh, but basically, when you when you string these together, they're essentially a like just an extra episode, just broken up into parts. Yeah, um, Bulk and so, Skull are in it. Uh, Ernie is in it, but not until about halfway through. Before that, it, like I said, it was completely different characters. Oh, the <laughs> the hilariously named reporter Wolfgang Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know is, Wolf Blitzer had started on at CNN <laughs> at that point. No, or is it MSNBC? I forget. But that's, I think, I was like, is that what the, it's a reference to? Is it Wolf, you know, Wolfgang Blizzard, Wolf Blitzer? It has to be. I mean, it has to be. Admittedly, I don't know how you get lucky enough to be born with the name Wolf Blitzer. I think. He sounds like a Power Ranger villain, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, but, but it's Wolf but Blitzer. <laughs> come at me power rangers <laughs> but these uh these little these short mini sods these short serials uh basically they start off with our familiar characters like well they start off with the scientists i'm sorry they start off with the scientists and then they get into some of our familiar characters red uh red geez uh there's there's the ship name red instead of Rita and zed um <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> Um, or Zeta? I, I don't know. Zeta? I, I don't know. Does that work stop, too? Stop. Just, just move on. That's their super couple name. We're not doing shipping. All right. Shipping is not allowed. I that mean, is their super couple name. 
I mean, uh, just as a sidebar, you don't want to see the things that I've seen on Etsy with Rita and Zed. But anyway, oh, I digress. <laughs> Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, that anyway, anyway, survived the Zeo crystal. I see. So, <laughs> oh, that that muscle really that that muscle very much survived. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is getting really weird. All, it, we're only like twenty minutes in, and it's already weird. So, anyway, um, but yeah, we get to see our familiar characters: Rita, Rita, and Zed. Finster is here. Goldar and Rito don't make an make an appearance, which makes sense because they're supposed to be, you know, knocked unconscious yeah, by the Zeo crystal. That, that's the weird thing. I don't think the Zeo serials are technically canon. They're just kind of because the timeline of the serials and the first episode of Zeo don't quite match. So well, they rehash a lot of stuff in the Zeo beginning, like yeah. uh, specifically was specifically with, uh, with Rita and Lord Zed, they, they rehash all of mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then, and you know, when we first see Rita and Zed and the crew and the moon crew, they're celebrating because they think they've just won. And then Finster comes in and, and tells them, Oh, we need to evacuate because the machine empire is about to invade. Yeah. yeah. And we do their... see the machine empire briefly in this as well. And, you know, Bulk and Skull go running around trying to find UFOs and because they're hearing about UFOs, they're doing their cop shtick still. And, you know, no one believes them because that's what you do in a superhero universe, even though the, these are all everyday things. We, everyone acts like they're not because people are silly. And, <laughs> you know, the funniest one, the funniest one was was the one with Ernie though, because Balkan Skull are trying to explain to Ernie, oh my, we saw UFOs. And then you Ernie basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, Ernie says, I'll believe it when the governor tells me, when the governor comes on TV and tells me, and then not uh, two seconds later, special report coming in from the governor. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic. So all oh, yeah, of that was done to create hype and buzz around around this and i also think probably also was a way to kind of ease into it because this was a major shake-up i mean if you thought change was a central thing in season two of mighty morphin oh you are not ready for this this they're inching closer to following the sentai model of just yeah. having a new team with new characters every season they're inching yeah. closer to it now even more well actually not even inching this is like a big leap toward that uh, mm -hmm. we already were inching toward it with all the casting changes and the and changing the zords and all of that and specifically yeah. this is o-ranger which i have not yes. seen yet but you oh, tell me it's really fantastic. good o-ranger is fantastic and o-ranger i will just say this o-ranger as much as as much as people would want to would want me to say or expect me to say that I love Zhu Ranger because of it's such it's deep, deep, deep connections to the franchise. I really, I really, really, really love O Ranger. O Ranger has so far been my favorite Sentai series that I've been able to watch so far. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that's one big part of the setup. The other thing is this was also done from what I read to shake up the status quo because the show was still doing well in ratings, but they weren't doing as well as they were in seasons one and two. It started to falter after the movie, apparently. And yeah. uh, they were also it was it's you want to talk about funny. <laughs> they were also uh, Saban was competing against itself because 
Power oh Rangers. Oh my God, Saban had so many properties going at the oh, same yeah, time. Oh yeah, but specifically, this. Saban was losing to itself with Big Bad Beetleborgs, which was mm -hmm. was a very similar thing. It was another Toei property. Uh, it was yeah. from Metal Heroes. So it was a different franchise than Super Sentai, and that was getting better ratings than Power Rangers. And the merchandise sales were going down, so they're like, okay, time to shake things up. We're going right. to completely. We're going to change everything. Yeah. And as we yeah. talked about at the end of our previous episode, it ends with the command center blowing up. What a cliffhanger. So, you know, we'll pick up from there as we go. So first things yeah, first on the agenda, Mr. Hamilton, we need to talk about the theme song because the theme song's new. <laughs> first time they've changed theme songs, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you and, uh, if you're just now tuning in to the power trip, you noticed that you probably noticed or getting an inkling by now that we're going to be changing up the the theme song every single uh time we talk mm -hmm. about a brand new season of the show mm -hmm. and to me to me the zeo although the the yo go go power rangers is iconic yeah go go just, power rangers just, will always be the power rangers right. theme song you can't take that right. away from it right but zeo is objectively good in and of itself I love the Zio theme song. I, I it just mm -hmm. it feels even more metal if you listen to it. It is like if you thought there were there were shades of metal in Goku Power Rangers, Zio is just like hold my beer and <laughs> it just gives you even more because we got some very intense metal machine gun riffs and and stuff in this. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's another. It's Wasserman again. And the thing that I really like about this and why, honestly, it, it I think it should serve as, uh, you know, uh, the template, not maybe that template, but the example to follow for future Power Ranger themes is that, and because we'll get into it as we go, because some of the later Power Ranger theme songs, they don't create their own musical identity. They basically mm -hmm. just remake Go Go Power Rangers right. with very, they, they just make, it's just a cover with very little original stuff in this. What I like right. about the Zio theme song is that, yes, it has shades of Go Go Power Rangers in it. So there is connection to mm -hmm. the franchise as a whole, but it still yeah. has its own unique musical identity. By just uh, by just including just just enough of Go Go Power Rangers to yeah, it's, say it's, it, this is what you knew before, but it's different. Yeah, and it's 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 just barely enough. It's like it's literally the da 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 da, da and then that's it. Yeah, and I that, do think I do think there is a Go Go Power. Uh, they do say Go Go Power Rangers. I think once in it at uh, some point. in in the main television theme yes in the yeah in the main television at the very end at the very end before the theme is about to to close out they do say go go power rangers mm -hmm. so but but this theme song this theme song was a big deal uh and i remember seeing all the television uh vignettes uh that would play before the before uh rerun episodes where it's like strong uh, uh Z -O, Z -O. and then it would just <laughs> You know, it would just mm -hmm. kind of go into it, but, but yeah, this, this song, this, this theme song is great. And, and I want to just, and I do want to point out what you just said again, uh, a lot of this starts a trend. What 
for what would last ah what would last a good number of years where they would they would try to make their own musical identity uh for each season and not rely so heavily on the iconic theme from Mighty Morphin um i think it was it's this season through rpm that tries to have their own musical identity with just just minute shades of go go power rangers but after that it's all like just a rehash of the same old theme and i think they're not, and when we, not we'll entirely but yeah they start rehashing it and to their detriment but yeah we'll mm -hmm. get into it as yeah. we go so sure let's talk about our rangers so thankfully we don't have a big cast shakeup. nope not this <laughs> in, time around this so <laughs> we get our tried and true team of rangers in this mm-hmm so we got Tommy, Adam, Cat, and Rocky. Well, I should say we have one changeup. I should say. I was gonna say yeah. we touched on it, and we touched on it in the last episode, but we didn't talk about Tanya a lot. But no, because she barely shows. She barely shows up. Right. Yeah. So we got. So we got them here again, and you know we've already talked about them pretty in depth in the previous in our previous episode on. Alien Rangers and Mighty Morphin season three, but a few things that I do want to highlight with the, with these returning characters is, oh boy, <laughs> uh, I hate to I hate to say this, Michael, because I know you love her so much, but Kim made me angry. <laughs> they, uh, Kim. And Tommy were so cute together. They were so wonderful together. Oh. And then she ends it off screen with a Dear John letter. Hey, uh, sorry, Kim. I know you were every uh, you know Power Ranger boy, boy's first crush, but... Mm. <laughs> she broke she she, she broke, broke Tommy's heart and it made me angry. Well, I was gonna say she broke our collective power hearts in that moment. So so yeah, I mean but Amy Jo Johnson who played Kimberly uh did uh I guess it's 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 canon now. She did officially break up with Tommy. You know, she met someone in Paris or uh, when she was traveling abroad, and that ends that uh power I yeah. guess quote unquote power couple relationship between her yeah. and Tommy. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, that makes it was, me angry. It, it was, and then it didn't help yeah. that that was that became the impetus for an extremely padded out three parter. Good lord, where they all go skiing and then superhero shenanigans ensue from there, and it's so padded out because it's like, oh, Tommy, you got dumped. Let's go skiing. Oh, you'll forget about it. And it's just like, oh, good lord, why does this? Oh my gosh, that three parter had barely had enough material for maybe one episode, and they stretch it out to three, and just god. Anyway, sorry. No, uh, it's fine. Like it, it, the whole thing, the, it's fine. Like I, yeah. I, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It yeah. did, like you said, it, 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 they, they padded out the runtime uh, with all kinds of shenanigans, it, it, but it's fine. Like it's neither here yeah, nor there. Yeah. So, but uh, in, but in the meantime, in light of that, well, we still have to have Tommy be in love with a pink ranger. So now him and Kat start getting the thing going. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So uh, Which, he moved on I mean, relatively it, quickly. <laughs> well, good, you know, good for him. Like, it, it's nice to it, Honestly, it's nice to see I guess the, people. It's <laughs> nice to see. Let me just say this. It's nice to see people who have maybe went through a hard time or a hard relationship or a hard breakup move on 
and sort of bounce back and become happier than they were prior. I mean, it's 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 nice to see Nathan. I I agree with you, but there's also a part of me that's wondering, like, did Tommy do uh, intentionally get into a replacement with Kimberly's hand chosen replacement just to get back at her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and imply malice. Or I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and Im- imply malice on that part. So anyway, uh, we should I'll just sit here and love the irony. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we need to prop we need to move on and we need to talk about our actual new cast member, Tanya. Tanya. Uh that shows up and Tanya uh is our new Yellow Ranger and the and she gets her powers uh, through uh, taking, bringing back the Zeo crystal, uh, Aisha gives her the Zeo, her portion of the Zeo crystal. She brings it back, uh, apparently in a weird like time travel interdimensional thing that never really gets touched on and it never um, really gets explained. And they barely say anything about the fact that she's highly, highly displaced at this point. Right, and I'm like. Why didn't you lean into that a little bit more? I really wish they had leaned into that a little bit more. Some wasted potential there, but there are much worse things to come when it comes to wasted potential. So, (laughs) I mean, that's true. That that is true. But essentially, just to kind of give Cliff Notes version, uh, Tanya comes back, and when uh, the and when the the command center reforms itself into the power chamber, um, because it can do that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it can't. I mean, hey, look, I'm uh, my suspension of disbelief has been out the window since day one for this franchise. So it, it's totally fine. It's totally within the realm of possibility that the command center can reform itself into the exact same shape it was before after being obliterated by an implosion device. It's fine. Sure. But, sure. The, uh, it's, it's just fine. one of a handful of do sex machinas that show up in this season. Right. So essentially, <laughs> essentially, essentially, see, I, okay, never, I don't want to get sidetracked. I, I will get there. Um, so essentially Billy says, Billy, our former blue Ranger says, Hey, I think I'm better off serving as your civilian ally than being an actual ranger. He says he, he's learned, uh, you know, he's learned leadership skills while the rangers were children. And he feels like he is more of an asset staying in the power chamber with Alpha and Zordon and assisting in that capacity than being in the field, so to speak, with with the power rangers. And what bugs me a little bit about that is they do a little bit of uh, playing around with uh, with Billy when they when he, he there's one line he has. He says, you know what? He, he looks at Zordon and he says, but I can reassume the ranger powers if need be. Right. Yes, Bill, oh, you no. can reassume the Ranger powers if need be. Like they do a little bit of playing around with that, which kind of leads into something we'll see later on in the series, uh, specifically when we talk about the sixth Ranger. But the whole like the whole thing with Billy not being a Power Ranger, like in uniform Power Ranger, because mm-hmm. always once a Ranger, always a Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it surprisingly works and yeah. makes actually a good bit of sense yeah but anyway so she steps in because billy decides to step down she's the new yellow ranger 
we learn a few things about her as we go on. She, who was it? How, what was her living arrangements? Because they never talk about it. They bring up, bring it up in one line and then they never bring it up again. She was, I think she was living with one of the other Rangers. She's living with Catherine. If yeah, I'm that, yeah, she's living with Catherine. And then she starts going to school and acclimates pretty well to her new surroundings. It's surprisingly mm-hmm. fast. But we also learned that she can sing. In fact, she can sing so well, she almost gets a record deal. There's a whole episode dedicated to that. Basically, there's a lot of stuff going on with Tanya that I feel like you can tell was definitely originally intended for Aisha, but that actress left, so they needed a new character. Mm. And I never quite felt like Tanya quite came into her own as the season Mm. went on. And I think that was partly because she was brought in very abruptly and she she was pseudo Aisha for a long time. It it takes us the audience a little while to to get to get acclimated to her and to get used to her basically because you got to think you got to think too and this will come up later when we when we talk about the overarching themes of this series this season in particular um like the audience not just the characters but the audience is feeling pretty displaced at this moment uh with all these brand new changes happening yeah. all at one time yeah so anyway so those are our characters now what do you think of the costumes for our new core group of, of rangers because that was a big deal too it's say, a huge aesthetic say, change i will say that they're, they're not the mighty morphin suits i will always have this soft spot and this love for the original um the, the original suits but if they're if they were going to do an upgrade i actually really like these like these are some of my favorite suits uh, in in the franchise because they're they're well designed they've they've got some interesting embellishments but they're not so overly designed that they become uh, garish mm-hmm. or distracting. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you there. The, I've uh, later seasons I'm going to complain about what I feel like is color. I'm not an artist, but color imbalance with some of these later suits. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. My uh, this these I do actually like for the most part. The only thing that I kind of have against them is I think the visors are weird. The visors are very gimmicky, and some of them I just keep looking at them, and it's just like, do you realize how impractical that is? It just kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Like yeah, the uh, bit, like specific, Tommy's our visor. Just I'm like that would not work. <laughs> No, that well, you've got Tommy's star visor. You've got Tanya's like the the equals sign uh visor like those which just looks weird yeah like all the other ones are pretty practical like they have these wide like shapes and uh we should probably say for the uninitiated like this these symbols that they have for them uh so red uh red which is tommy was is a star adam is uh well um, let me just back up here so they start when when they when they start giving out powers when zordon starts introducing them i should say to their new powers uh zordon uh, starts with catherine catherine is zeo ranger one pink and her symbol is just an oval which uh i guess makes a whole lot of sense because an oval only has technically one side so zeo ranger one uh zeo ranger two is yellow which is tanya uh and she has the two bars the two equal sign bars makes sense Mm -hmm. zeo ranger three rocky which was previous so rocky gets a brand new color in zeo he's blue all the boys do 
yeah, all the boys get a, all the boys get brand new colors. Um, so Rocky is now blue and he is zero ranger three and his symbol is a triangle. Uh, Adam is zero ranger four. And as you probably guessed, it's a rectangle four sides and he's the new green ranger. And then we have our leader, Tommy, who is zero ranger five and his is a five pointed star and he, and he's red. So, wow. You outdid the English major. Cause I never thought of that. How could you, but how could you not think of that though? Like that's obvious. Moving on. So let's talk about the supporting <laughs> cast now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The All right. supporting cast. I, so I, I, uh, stumped, I stumped the Marchan. <laughs> oh, oh, relish it while you can. Oh, anyway. Some would say. Some would even say I went full March hand in that moment. Ooh, that's a joke we haven't used in a while. Anyway, <laughs> so we've talked a bit about Billy. And I think this is a good place to kind of park a little bit and talk about what was going on with David Yost at this point. Sure, we can. Yeah. So the, uh, the analogy that I've uh, that I like to use with what happens with Billy is actually mm -hmm. one that goes with Batman and comic books. I don't know if you know this, Michael, but uh, have sure. you ever heard of a character named Oracle? Uh, yes, but I don't know particular. I don't know its particular backstory. Uh, well, Oracle actually used to be Batgirl. She was Barbara Gordon, and okay. there's a famous story from the '80s called "The Killing Joke," where the Joker figures out that she's Batgirl, and then shows up and shoots her. And the bullet causes spinal damage. And so okay. she's paralyzed and she's unable to be Batgirl anymore. So she becomes Oracle, who is this character who stays behind at the Batcave or wherever. And she's really good at hacking and she can gather information and she can give that to Batman and the rest of the Bat family. And I feel like that's basically what happens here with Tommy. But it's not because he was injured. Might have been interesting if he had been injured and he just can't be a ranger anymore. And so now he stays behind and he works on tech and he gathers information and you you're, know, talk, you're talking about no, no, you're talking about Billy. You said Tommy. Excuse me, Billy. Yes, I stand corrected. Billy. The caffeine is not quite kicking in yet. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. so anyway, so so that's basically what we have here. But the funny thing is is they intended to do other things with Billy, but they had to change their plans. Spoiler warning mm -hmm. for what we have coming up. Billy was supposed to be the gold Ranger originally, and there was going to be yes. this mystery surrounding it. And they were setting it up. If you watch the season, you can tell where they were setting it up because Billy would mysteriously disappear while stuff was going on. And I'm like, Hey, where did you go, Billy? And he's like, Oh, I was just taking care of stuff. And the, the idea being, he was supposed to be the Gold Ranger, and then they reveal later, oh, wait, he's not the Gold Ranger. So that ended up just being a red herring because David mm -hmm. Yost ended up leaving the show. And then for the last few episodes of the show, he wasn't even – they had Billy, but he wasn't even on the show. Uh, David Yost wasn't on the show. We get to the last few episodes of the show, and suddenly out of nowhere, we find out as a consequence of stuff from Alien Rangers – 
He's hyper-aging. We don't even see David Yost. It's just they show up at the command center in a rather insane artsy shot, I might add, where it's like upside down and above them, and then it comes down and writes <laughs> itself. I'm like, oh my gosh, someone just felt like being cinematic right there <laughs> on set that day. But it actually kind of serves to illustrate that things are not quite right because we have this yeah. old geezer. I don't even know who he is. This old guy there. He's like, I'm Billy. And I'm... And I, I maybe it was the intention, but it was just so weird hearing this old guy try to talk like a young guy. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. odd and spouting off all yeah. of the weird kind of Power Ranger jargon and things like that. And that becomes a subplot for uh, I think it was Rangers of Two Worlds, which is the technically the first real crossover in Power Rangers because the alien Rangers come back. And they team up with mm-hmm. the Zeo Rangers, and that's pretty fun. And so that was right. a subplot with that. And then by the end of it, they say the only way we can cure you, Billy, because he said he's going to keep hyper-aging basically until he dies. So the only way we mm-hmm. can help you is to take you back to Aquatar and let you partake of the water that's there because it has restorative properties. And then we meet mm-hmm. Sestria, who's basically becomes Billy's new alien girlfriend because Billy, despite being the nerd, had more love interest than all the rest of the Rangers put together. <laughs> and then the episode Which I'm ends. Wondering, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that was because, um, because if we talked about in the introductory, if we talked about in the introductory episode where, um, Billy was supposed to be this heartthrob character. Oh, he, yeah, was a, in, uh, he was Bio supposed Man. to be the jock. In Bioman, yeah, he was supposed to be the pretty boy jock heartthrob heartthrob character, and he was typical. And I, I would assume that a character like that would have a lot of love interests and a lot of girlfriends. Which, throughout this entire franchise, Billy gets more play than every single male character or any or any other, just any character in general on the show. And it's just such a weird thing. And no one, I, I feel like no one ever talks about that. But anyway, that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we have this really weird, awkward ending that they try so hard. You can tell that the the writers and the creators are just like, man, we got to roll with all these punches. And sometimes they roll better. uh, Sometimes they roll better than at other times. And this was one of the lesser ones where this two-parter ends with them contacting Aquatar to say goodbye to Billy. And they tried to get around having Billy talk as much as possible because David Yost had just left. And we'll talk about why in a second. And so he's dubbed over for a couple of lines and it's clearly not David Yost, but they try to account for it by saying, hey, the signal's bad. <laughs> There's even a, They even kind of hang a lampshade on it by having Sestria say, he's so happy he's speechless. <laughs> it's unintentionally funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, what can you do? What can you really do at that point where one of your, like one of your main showrunners that the, the, one of the guys that's been around since day one is, is leaving and where we've had some, where we've had some really good emotional send offs in the past without, you know, like even, like even when they sent Jason, Zach and Trini off to the never ending peace conference, at least there was some, at least there was, um, at least that was a proper send off. I thought, um, yeah. this felt, 
this felt weird to me. And in, in my opinion, it really did not do the character of Billy all that much justice. I would agree with you there, but it's just one of those things where they're like, what do we do? We're backed into a corner. We got to do something. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, I do think they try to make up for it a little bit because instead of continuing the tradition of showing the outtakes from the episode, they Mm -hmm. showed a highlight reel of Billy's best moments from throughout the series up to that point during the credits. Right. So they were trying to make the best of a bad situation on several fronts, but the whole reason that this happened, it's, it could be an entire podcast episode unto itself, but just to make you all aware, this all happened because David Yost was, he was a young man at this point and he was just starting to come to grips with the fact that he was gay. This was at a time when being mm-hmm. openly gay still wasn't the smartest thing to do. Uh, we actually looked into it. Uh, you know, the first truly openly gay character, we'll say, because it's not mm-hmm. to say that Billy would be gay. Billy is clear. Like, Billy, the character is clearly not gay, but David, yeah, Yost even, even is. David, J- even David, even David Yost has went on record of saying, cause you, cause you have, uh, you have fanfic writers that want to make the character Billy gay. And David Yost has been on record of saying, Oh no, Billy Cranston, the character is very straight. David Yost, the mm-hmm. actor is gay. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time in the nineties where, you know, being gay was not nearly as acceptable as it is as, as, or as celebrated as it is now. And there was, there was Mm -hmm. obviously a struggle with that. Like, uh, David Mm -hmm. Yost was struggling with his sexuality, trying to come to grips with who he was as a person. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately that caused conflict behind the scenes. Mm -hmm, Basically that's what it boiled down to. He just ended up not being able to handle it. And I think there's been some talk. We, I would have to look into it a little bit more, but I think there there was talk of there being at least something like bullying going on. I don't know if it quite went that far, mm-hmm. but he just couldn't handle it yeah. anymore. And yeah, it created conflict behind the scenes. So he left and yeah. you know, it was, you know, it was a, which is, it was a hard loss for the show because I think, because the writers clearly oh, yeah. wanted to do more with Billy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I remember, oh man, I, it, it makes me think of that episode. I think, I think it's in season three where the girl who has a crush on Billy makes him into a power ranger statue. And what yes. color is that statue? Do you remember? I don't. It was gold. He was oh, a gold. Dang it. He was a gold, uh, uh, this, this, uh, to give a, the, give the cliff notes version. I think I'm, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's in season three because but season one through three kind of runs together a little bit. So I could be incorrect here. Um, I think, but I'm pretty sure it was season three where, uh, there is this, there is this young woman in Billy's class and they're in a pottery class together and they have to do a class assignment. Well, she decides because she has this massive crush on Billy to make him into a power ranger to make a statue of Billy, but make him a power ranger, which is really funny in and of itself because this, this girl has no idea that Billy really is a power ranger. And what's interesting about it, is that she decides to make him a gold ranger 
no other color but gold ranger and i and i never knew if that was uh foreshadowing or if that was just a happy accident or what but like we talked about you know they um they really suffered a loss with when billy left the show because at this point the only long the only original showrunner that's left as far as the rangers go as far as the rangers go is tommy tommy's the only one left at this yeah point. and but he the wasn't there at the beginning the loss of billy the loss of billy yeah the loss of billy just was was it, it felt it felt kind of off like it, it just made this it made that whole thing feel off like um yeah i i I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but it's just, it just feels weird how they had to transition Billy out. And it's just ultimately unfortunate that it, that it happened. Yeah, it certainly was. But some other things that we could talk about. Well, we have Zordon and Alpha, but they're just, they're basically the same. They're Zordon and Alpha doing their thing. Not a whole lot to report there. Uh, I'm going through Mm -hmm. the returning uh, cast right now and then we'll get into the some of the newer ones sure uh then we have both yeah, i want to I, I mention i, I want to mention too nathan for the because un- we i can't i don't want to uh, neglect our uninitiated folks if the if this is all greek to you uh go back and listen to our episode one and you'll kind of yeah. get the run where we explore in more detail these original showrunners like Alpha, like Zordon, and then yes. others. So go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. Nathan. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. And then we have Bulk and Skull who continue their tradition of getting a new shtick every season. Now, they, they're still the junior police officers with Lieutenant Stone at the beginning. And then around about the – I think around the midpoint of the show, they switch because mm-hmm. Lieutenant Stone – ends up leaving the police force and uh, in mm-hmm. solidarity and out of loyalty to Lieutenant Stone, Bulk and Skull mm-hmm. go with him, which is funny because he was very hard on them to get them to mm-hmm. be officers. He was very tough on them, but they loved him because they became better people because of how hard he was on them. And then he goes off and yeah. starts a private detective agency and they join in on uh, with him to be private eyes. So then they start getting into some private eye investigative shenanigans throughout the rest of the season. And then the other thing that happens with Bulk and Skull is they get some quote unquote pets. <laughs> Their names are Goldar and Arito. <laughs> hey, uh, are we going to be a pet now? For uh, uh, for these two morons, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who I am, <laughs> but I'm a skeleton. I shouldn't have muscles or a brain. That explains so much about me. Hey, says <laughs> <laughs> so. That's actually really good. Good then, for you. So that's, basically, the, that's actually that's an actually halfway decent. That's a halfway decent impression. I'm imp- <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I can't quite get the Texas twang that that actor, that voice actor has, but <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I'm close enough. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, yeah, that, the, the, act, so the anyway. actor that played, uh, <laughs> the actor that, the actor that plays Rito has a very distinct, like either it's either Texas or Tennessean twang to his, to the, to the voice he uses. So yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Just a little bit. 
Just a little bit. So that becomes their thing. So they're making, they're just embarrassing Rito and Goldar at that point. We'll talk a little bit more about them specifically, but that's part of their shtick. And then they go with them to the, to the Mm -hmm. detective agency for a little bit. And it becomes a whole to do, but the most interesting thing that happens, and I think was one was a huge step. You could tell the writers love these two characters and they kind of, I think they wanted to subvert expectations. They could have easily just been disposable supporting cast characters that, nothing happens mm-hmm. with them but the most one of the most interesting things that happens this season is we find out that skull kind of has not a secret life but a very but a secret interest he's actually a brill he loves music and he's a brilliant piano player but he doesn't want anybody to know because he's embarrassed by it mm. and then tanya encourages him yeah to pursue that and to perform despite the fact that Skull is worried that he's that everyone's going to think he's just some dweeb, you know, especially bulk. He's he really mm-hmm. he's desperate for bulk's respect because they're best friends. And he's like, I don't want bulk to know because yeah. he's just going to think I'm a loser or something mm-hmm. like that. But he, Tanya calls, says, him, he no. calls him bulky. He's like, I don't yeah, want bulky yeah. to find out. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those moments where I actually it's one of the few moments where it's not. I can't remember that actor's name, but he's not playing skull like he normally does that, you know, the over the top, the goofball that he is. He actually stops for a second. It does, you know, and I guess I don't want to, I hate using this term, but you know, it does some real acting where it's just like, it's the side of skull that we're not used to seeing. And it was, Uh, it's he's played, he's played by Jason Andrew Narvey. Okay. Yeah. So he gets a chance to really shine with a different side of skull and mm-hmm. it, it, the episode ends with him doing a piano concert and bulk learns for the first time. It's like you play piano. And he was actually really happy for him and proud of him. And he's like, dude, I'm still your best friend. You know, that sort of a thing. I'm like, you know what? Good on you show. That was good. That was surprisingly good. That was, that was very good. Like that is such that is a really effect. We were, you and I were talking about this in private because we've said a number of times on this podcast already that this podcast is basically just our private conversations put to record. Um, but we, you and I have talked about how effective that episode actually was for the character development of skull. And, and I like what you said just a minute ago, this directors and the writers of this show really love Vulcan skull. And you can honestly tell that by the way, by the way they're writing and the way their characters have progressed over the franchise. I, I will like Vulcan skull. Honestly, there are a couple of goofballs. Yes, they're there for comic relief most of the time, but I really love how their characterizations and how their characters evolved during the, during the run of the show. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then Ernie's there, but he's just doing his usual thing. So mm-hmm. he's there. No, the, it's, it's just Ernie. Yeah, it's just Ernie. Now, the the big one we need to talk about, and he's only in a handful of episodes, and that's David. David Trueheart, who we find out in true mm-hmm. soap opera fashion <laughs> is Tommy's dun, dun, dun. <laughs> is Tommy's brother, played by Jason David yeah. Frank's real life brother, Eric. <laughs> uh, yes. yes. God rest his Eric soul. Frank. Yeah, God rest his soul, because unfortunately he died only, I think, only like four or five years after this. So, yeah, yeah, very tragic. But 
That also, but I think it was actually very smart casting because they look like each other and they already <laughs> have a, a built-in rapport. You could tell they're brothers. <laughs> Even when they don't know each other yeah. or brothers, they still act like brothers. It's great. <laughs> right. Oh, it's, it's, and, it's a fantastic little dynamic. And you know, it's like, um, this, like those episodes where Tommy is, is searching for his brother. I feel like they are, uh, there's, there's some trope tastic moments in those episodes, but they're still really, they're still written very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, building off of stuff from Tommy's portion of alien Rangers. You know, when he meets the old mm. native American man who gives him the arrowhead and tells him that he's, you know, there's stuff that he needs to do and things like that. So he's still pursuing that and he sees his brother and then goes on a vision quest and, you know, all of these things. And at the end he finds out, Oh, you're my brother. So I guess the idea is that Tommy has some native American heritage, which for some people might make his ranger color a little bit of a problem, but I don't care. And I don't think most people do, but <laughs> I, I honestly, but anyways. Don't, I, honestly, I honestly don't think it was intentional. I think it was more, was more or less a happy accident because typically up to this point, typically, and if you're, and obviously with you, when you take into account the Sentai footage, the red ranger has always been associated with the leader role. And, mm-hmm. you know, making Tommy the, you know, bringing Tommy into that leadership role, of the Power Rangers obviously just made sense. And carrying his role into Zeo as the Red Ranger actually just made sense. I just think, honestly, it was a, ha- I don't think it was intentional. Uh, I don't, I just think maybe it was a more or less a happy accident uh, that he happened to be a Red Ranger with Native American heritage. Uh, I, yeah. honest, I see where people could make that connection and say it was problematic. For me personally, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, but and not only do we have this with you know, learning more about Tommy and his family expanding, David was also there as a potential candidate for the Gold Ranger. Mm-hmm. But that didn't quite pan out. Now, probably the high point with having David Trueheart on here was there was an episode where he was kidnapped by the villains held hostage. Tommy saves him after, you know, cave paintings came to life and tried to murder him, which was just odd. (laughs) Welcome to Power Rangers. Mm. And I don't quite understand why he did it other than attributing this to just teenage impulsiveness. But Tommy technically breaks one of his ranger vows and reveals his secret identity to David. It, It brought a connection between the two. And, but it also helped the helped the story along by, you know, allowing them to focus on the stuff that was important, like finding the arrowhead. Because if they dwelled, uh, they they did a good moment where it was like, you know, uh, David says, "I have to go find my brother." They've they've captured my brother, David. And then Tommy says, "Well, David, your brother's fine." And then to convince David that his that his brother is fine, he reveals himself, which in the moment is fine. I get where that kind of go that goes back on the, the original vow or the original premise of the show is don't reveal your identity or else you'll lose your ranger powers. Um, but I think in that moment it was, uh, it was, it was okay. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. They could have just moved past it, uh, in the writing and said, no, we have to go. And then forced and forced, uh, that situation 
uh, from the enforce their hand a little bit, but they would have still maybe had to readdress it later on because at that point, David would still be frantically looking for his brother. So by do by Tommy revealing himself to David, it helped move the story along so that they could focus on the real task, which was finding the arrowhead. Yeah. Yeah. That was the MacGuffin of the episode yeah. the the because we find out that they both have halves of an arrowhead and then it turns out the arrowhead is a magical artifact that lets you control monsters and king mongo wants it despite the fact that he already has a small army of monsters that already obey his commands so okay <laughs> okay you do you it's, whatever it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like he's the, it uh, seems like Mon- it seems like mondo puts a lot more work on himself than necessary but you know it's yeah. fine yeah sure but anyway i also kind of wonder if maybe revealing his identity was another kind of in for them in case they made david the gold ranger which is interesting because in the audio drama david is in it and he does become a ranger which is pretty fun he becomes actually mm-hmm. a second green he is the ranger. Blue, he is the, well, he comes on in the, if we're talking about the audio drama, he comes on as the blue die ranger. And That's then right. he later becomes, he becomes the, yeah, he comes on and then he becomes the, the green ranger later. Yeah. A second green ranger. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the gold ranger, because he gets a theme song, because six rangers always have to have their own theme song. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. The green ranger had one. White ranger had one. Why not at this point? So we have our sixth ranger, the gold ranger, who actually in O-Ranger is considered a black ranger. So Power Rangers had a gold ranger uh, no, before Sentai did. He- it's kind of funny how that right. works out. He's, <laughs> he is con- in the in the Sentai in O Ranger. He is called the King Ranger. Yeah, because in the Sentai in the Sentai he is a prince who can uh, assume the the powers of the King Ranger with his staff, and he's a child. He's like this twelve year old child, and we'll we can see where they use this later but the the child can grow to adult size and assume the power of oh the king ranger but anyway. which they already did with die ranger but anyway move wait the funny thing is is that they ended up yeah. even though they were they want they had several other candidates that they really wanted to do for that what they ended up doing is actually a lot closer to o ranger than you would think because the gold ranger because he shows up, nobody knows who he is. He has a giant pyramid zord. <laughs> because this has pyramidus has to be one of the most yeah, it has to be one of the most outrageous zords so far in this show. But anyway, oh, it's massive. It's it's yeah. it's ma- it's a massive zord. Like like when it goes into battle and it goes into its warrior mode where it stands up on its on its two feet or on a, up on its platform, it's huge. It towers over every monster yeah. um uh that they face. But anyway, go go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about the zords in a bit. But anyway, uh, so they keep his identity a mystery and played up the is it billy is it billy and then it turns out it's not he's a new character his name is trey of triforia who is an alien prince and he once they Mm. figure out who he is he can't be the gold ranger anymore because he gets i forget what exactly happened did he get injured i think he got injured 
Basically, we find out that the Triforians, which is where Trey is from, are actually beings made out of three parts, I guess you could say. And, and because of an attack by Varrox, the bounty hunter, who was our monster of the week for this episode, he split into three parts and he couldn't be the Gold Ranger anymore because he had to be one in order to be the gold ranger so he ended up getting split up into and i quote tray of wisdom tray of courage and tray of heart so the triforce from and when they're <laughs> when they're from combine... <laughs> yeah basically you are gold <laughs> ranger go gold ranger anyway now what's kind of fun about this is that He's played by identical triplets. <laughs> they found identical triplets mm -hmm. for this character. Yeah. Tom, Tim, and Ted DeFilippo. So good on you, Saban. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because typically if you you would expect a show in the 90s to do what they would what you would expect them to do is just use some editing techniques to make them into triplets. But yeah, Saban was able to actually cast triplets for this role. And honestly, the the Triforians, they're not all that great of characters, I don't believe. Their their backstory is more interesting than than their characters themselves, honestly. Um, yeah, well, but it is just it. Well, here's some more wackiness for you. They didn't have any of those guys voice the Gold Ranger. He was voiced by Brad Hawkins, who was the star of VR Troopers, and he was supposed to be his character from VR Troopers, which would officially make VR Troopers part of the same universe as Power Rangers. But they dropped mm -hmm. that. And then just to pour on the irony, originally in the original pilot for VR Troopers, which was titled Cybertron, not to be confused with the Transformer home mm. planet, guess who was supposed to play that character? Adam Steele? Jason David Frank. <laughs> and then we'll go even a step further. They were originally considering Brad Hawkins to be the White Ranger in season two. <laughs> yeah so they were like there was it was it was going to be multiversal like this was the first kind of glimpse at a um that it never came to fruition but a multiverse within the saban within the saban franchise of shows yeah so after all of that to do they're like we need to give the gold powers to somebody so an old friend comes back from the peace conference <sighs> which okay so 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 okay so so austin st john who played the red ranger from mighty morphin season one so season two through uh half of season two um he was the red ranger he comes back as the gold ranger and i told you this last night or else i think i told you this last night or i told it's in my notes here i'm not as impressed by the build up to when Jason becomes the gold Ranger as I was with the storytelling for when leading up to leading up to white light. Like it's a lot of just, um, I, it's a lot of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's a lot of just misleading stuff. It's it's, and it's, it's obvious when they, when they're running through the desert, <laughs> red herrings, <laughs> 
I'm not as impressed by this as I was with White Light. I know I'm a Tommy stan, but still, I think White Light was done better to introduce a an old friend or or a, a returning character, so to speak, a returning character with a with a new role. Um, and although it's good, it does raise some questions, like. You're telling me that they have to now technically, but there's a, there's a range limit to when they can be teleported. That's odd considering <laughs> they've sent the Rangers to other planets. Uh, <laughs> but I it, also complicate, it also complicates things because I mean, just because they move away from Angel Grove, they can't be Rangers anymore. Teleportation is a thing. <laughs> Right. I mean, Tommy wakes up in the Tommy wakes up in the middle of the night after having a bad dream and decides, you know what, I'm going to do to do. I'm going to go to the command center and find out what's up. Um, the audio drama does this really well because all the Rangers in this audio drama, really, they don't all live in Angel Grove. They're all very much spread out. And I think that's I think that's a good little thing that the audio drama played with. Like not all of these kids live in the same area, which, yes, teleportation is a thing. Um, so I don't understand why they couldn't have just teleported Jason to the command center from wherever he was at. But well, they, they had to, to have kind of, that drum. They needed to have that dramatic action sequence where we don't find out who he is until the moment. Yeah, but is it's right. unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Hmm. Never stopped them I don't, before. I, don't find, <laughs> I know. I know. I know what we're. I know what show we're talking about, Nathan. Uh, but still, it just felt. Un, it just felt unnecessary. Yeah. Oh, well, but we get Jason back as the gold Ranger. As for, if I may defend the, the lead up to the gold Ranger to him being gold Ranger again, they're trying to make the best of a bunch of unanticipated behind the scenes drama. So it sounds like they had about a half dozen ideas about what to do with the gold Ranger. And they had to settle on something because some of them fell through. So doing the best they could. <laughs> they planned yeah. for the White Ranger <laughs> well in advance. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yes, Jason comes back. Uh, it turns out that the Gold Ranger powers are unstable and don't quite work for him because they're meant to be for threefold beings like the Triforians. So he, by the end of the season, he's no longer the Gold Ranger, but we mm-hmm. get to have some fun times with him as the Gold Ranger. And like I said, it was also a way to try to drum ratings back up by bringing back an old, fr- you know, a, a, a recognizable face. Yeah. So yeah. now let's talk about our villains because we got new villains this time around. The moon crew is still around. Like we talked about, you know, Goldar and Rito get retconned into amnesia, which makes no sense because they snag. They clearly snag. They even show it in a zeal beginning. They show that bit of that footage. They grab the zeal crystal and teleport out, but nope, they magically drop it and it gets found in the rubble. And then they just show up wandering around suburbia and they've lost their memory and Goldar has lost his wings, which they, you know, Rito points out, Hey, didn't you used to have wings? And, you know, and then, so it's gone. And yeah, then they become pets for, yeah. And meanwhile, the rest of the moon crew is abandoning their castle, going into a motor home with plans to move in with Master Vile. Uh-huh. And it, then it turns into I Love Lucy with Rita and Zed. And it's 
<laughs> like it's the all like any any time that the Moon Crew is on the show, it's just sitcom shenanigans. They have gone full tilt self parody with them at this point. Now it's amusing yeah. in, you know, yeah. in context, but when you think about it is what these characters used to be. <laughs> When you think about what Rita used to be, when you think about what Zed used to be when he debuted in season two, it is a little bit depressing to think of. It is a little bit depressing, but I will say there is a soft spot I have for, you know, sitcom y, uh, Rita, you got some splaining to do, Lord Zed, as opposed to like, <laughs> I am the emperor of all I see, Lord Zed. Like, I have a soft spot for both. And I, I have to say, so apparently when, when Goldar got uh, caught up in the blast, it blew his wings off so hard they found their way back to the moon. Because in that scene, as they're loading up Serpentera, you see a tang, you see a Tanga walk by with Goldar's wings. Um, so odd, but but yes, they the after the machine after the machine empire invades the moon or invades uh, the atmosphere, uh, the solar system, they have to flee like, because apparently the machine empire is way more powerful than Zed and Rita combined, and they run away with their tail between their legs, which was just a convenient thing to get them out of the series for now. For now, because they will be back. Yeah, they they um, still have a little bit of a presence in this, but it's lessened to a degree because they need it's, to let yes. the the O Ranger villains come in <laughs> and run right. things. Right. So they take up shop with, like you said, Master Vile, which is we learned who was we learned who Master Vile was. He's Rita's father in season three. Um, and it's just a lot of sitcommy, um, uh, sitcommy husband and wife shenanigans. There's one, there's, there's one point, um, where Rita grabs him by his crown, that large, like Z crown uh, on his forehead and just, and drags him into Serpentera. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's, it's, it's yeah. comical. Cause, Cause basically Serpentera is just a minivan now. <laughs> gone is the terrifying zord now it is a minivan <laughs> <laughs> does and i want to ask you do you think serpentera looks smaller has he shrunk he since the last time we saw it? he shrank they scaling what is that we don't do scaling around here. So, yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about our new villains, the machine empire, which in concept is actually kind of a terrifying idea. This star spanning empire of robots. Mm -hmm. I, that's actually kind of interesting, but they go, I mean, even the Sentai footage leans into it a little bit, but they are very European monarch inspired and Oh, the names and Oh, the accents. <laughs> <laughs> Around and around and away you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. So, so our, okay, our I'm, new I'm bosses. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, so our new bosses. So we have King Mondo, which is a name that could only exist in the 90s. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mondo, <Yep>. come on. <laughs> Mondo, Mondo the Machine King, which, not to be confused with Mondo the Magician from season two. Oh yeah, that's only a little confusing. Wasn't he also the 
Uh, wasn't he also the, was that the right one? Was that the one from the storybook episode where the monster of the week was the tie ranger main villain? <laughs> yes. Yes, that is, that, oh is, my that gosh. is, you're thinking of the correct one. Yeah, there you go. Some more connections. So I'm just going to rattle them off and then we'll talk about them, you know, as a group. And then we have Queen sure. Machina, who I didn't, re- oh, maybe I did, but I forgot, but I didn't realize again until recently watch when I was watching a YouTube video about this, that the way it's spelled, you could also pronounce it Machina which refers back to deus ex machina, which is a literary term talking about Greek plays specifically. That's where it started. The idea being that everything goes wrong for the characters in a play, and then the gods show up and fix everything, and it means God out of the machine. So I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I am a terrible, terrible English major, and I didn't remember that. So that's a nice little touch right there. And the term gets used now for any sort of thing that just pops up in a story and fixes everything, and the characters didn't have to do anything. So we have that, and she has a she has a fan, and she likes to fan herself, which makes no sense because she's a robot. Why does she? <laughs> why does she need to? Well, fan maybe herself? maybe. Maybe her internal cooling mechanism is not working properly. Maybe she's going through robot menopause. <laughs> wow. Robot menopause. Does that mean King Mondo? She, Does that mean King Mondo wants to take over Earth because he's having a midlife crisis? <laughs> possibly. So she's going through she's going through uh she's going through her robot mechapause, maybe. <laughs> mechapause. Is that would be it? Would that be a thing? I don't know. Like maybe I'm getting off and maybe I'm maybe I'm veering off into territory I shouldn't. So maybe I should just move on. <laughs> anyway, and then we have their son, Prince. Well, one of them because there's a couple of them. Prince mm-hmm. Sprocket, right. this bratty little kid robot. <laughs> uh, who just constantly whines and complains and then thinks he's gonna I'm gonna go impress my dad and kill the Power Rangers and yeah and then we have our monster makers uh, for this one it's kind of two characters uh, uh, you already hinted at them so uh, Clank and Orbis <laughs> around and around and away you go because Orbis is well he's an orb and he's I don't know what he is but he's Clank's little sidekick. Clank has a Scottish accent. Like I said, they're leaning into the European stuff in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for that's sure. a thing in a lot of European stories, particularly from England, where yeah, Scottish robot. And so he mm. makes the monsters, and then he twir- <laughs> he twirls Orbis around by a string and throws it at the monster of the week. <laughs> And, and then Orbis either zaps him with something or injects something into him, and then they get bigger. Injects. It's it, yeah. He injects something into them. Uh, he injects something into them because that's from the Sentai. Uh, Orbis. Uh, that's from the Sentai. So Orbis does is a character in the Sentai. It, I don't remember what his his Sentai character is is named at the moment, but it's the same premise where Orbis contains this fluid that he injects into the robots to make them bigger and mm-hmm. just it's yeah yeah 
So I'm going to park right here and talk about them. Uh, Clank and Orbis have probably the most interesting personalities uh, out of this initial set because they're really quirky. <laughs> and the accent. Mm-hmm, the accent very. really makes them stand out. And, and Orbis very much. talks a little bit like this. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Apparently, you and I need to. You could be Clank and I'll be Orbis. Oh, hi. Oh, let me yuff you out a little bit there. Oh, yeah. How are you doing, little buddy? Come on, <laughs> rain, rain, away you go. Oh, oh, you're making me dizzy, Clank. Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even though the, the these are good villains, they're they're they look interesting. They're, they're, those suits mm. got so many moving parts, literally. Like the crown on right. Mondo is always spinning and stuff right. like that. They're visually interesting, and they're certainly they certainly have a high threat level. You can take them seriously. They don't mm-hmm. really play them for laughs. Now they bicker with each other, and that gets played for laughs a little bit. But that's a very yeah. kind of royal family trope. You know, they, they're, sure. there's infighting and they bicker and then that gets expanded on as they go on. But I will mm. admit, I do feel like they're <sighs> compared to Zed at his peak. I do feel like they're a little bit of a downgrade compared to them. Uh, visually. OK, so visually they are interesting. Visually, I feel like they are a downgrade as far as a threat level. They feel like a, they feel slightly like a course correction because, because I feel like, because the reason why the threat level of Zed got downgraded is because he is outwardly scary. Whereas the machine empire may not be outwardly scary, but the way they write them and their characteristics and their mannerisms and how they interact with the Rangers, which sidebar, King Mondo is very hands-on with the Rangers more so yeah. than any other, any other villain that we've seen thus far. Mm-hmm. In fact, he actually dies at one point during the show, which mm-hmm. happened. I should think you told me happens in the Sentai, but unlike in the Sentai, he didn't, co- uh, he doesn't <laughs> come back. He doesn't come back in <laughs> no, the Sentai. No. He comes back in this. Cause Saban's like, Hey, we got the suit. So we're bringing him back. Yeah. We'll get into a little bit more about that in the awards. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, but you know, that creates some interesting drama because there's a point where Machina, Machina, whatever you want to call her, and Sprocket are like, well, your father is gone. So now what do we do? And Sprocket's like, I'm going to be in charge now. And, and <laughs> he's trying to be the man of the house, I guess. So there's yeah, a little and, bit and- that create. That's a nice shakeup to their dynamic. And then Mondo comes back later and it's like, well, I'm back. And, <laughs> and in the midst of that, you know, like I said, they just have your typical villain personalities. You know, they're, they're ruthless and the power hungry and things like that. A bit more calculating, but they're robots. So you would expect that. But then we right. find out that there's a few more members. Oh, wait, before we get to that, should we talk about Louis Kaboom? I was going to say, we have to talk about Louis Kaboom because in, in the interim between Mondo dying with the, when he, during the episodes where he possesses the Damocles sword, which for the uninitiated, uh, Mondo 
uh, finds the location of this gigantic sword, which is supposed to give him this immense power so that he can go. And this is very similar to the Sentai so, so that he can go and defeat the Rangers himself. He says yeah. basic and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing basically not everything that they've done up to this far up to this point has failed. And so Mondo says, you know what? I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to use this fancy sword. <laughs> He's going to pull Thanos. Fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> basically, basically. So yeah. uh, obvious, but so basically the rain, the Rangers defeat Mondo, they kill Mondo. Uh, and now, uh, the, the machine empire, the machine family are basically emotionally yeah. displaced because they don't have a leader at this point. Yeah. Now I do want to say the, the name, da- the name Damocles sword makes the English major in me happy because that is a mythological and literary reference. If uh, the sword mm-hmm. of Damocles, uh, Damocles was a, a man who was held prisoner and he was tortured while uh, while in prison by they strapped him down to a table and then they dangled a sword right above his head by a thread. So he mm-hmm. lived in constant fear while strapped to the table mm-hmm. that that thread was going to snap at any moment and that sword would come down and impale his head. So right. the fact that this immensely powerful sword that will kill you because it's so powerful is aptly named just wanted to point that out oh no it's 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 incredibly fascinating and i knew it had uh i knew it had literary implications or reference it's a it's a reference to something in literature i just wasn't sure of the of the of the actual mm-hmm. story so mm-hmm. thank you for that that's yeah. why i keep but you anyway. around for for stuff yeah. like that. yes except for not me not realizing that their numbers match their shapes <laughs> Which is, so that's what so that's what you know a 10 for me and one for you at this point you know <laughs> basic yeah basic hey, look i will take whatever win- i will take whatever i will take whatever wins i can get at this point nathan yeah but anyway louis kaboom <laughs> Who sounds like an Italian mobster? <laughs> I mean, the name Louis he's, he's Kaboom very, sounds like an Italian mobster, <laughs> right? He he's got a, he's got a very stereotypical uh, like Chicago accent. <laughs> this is the this is the episode for funny voices. <laughs> Yeah, basically, basically. So the whole thing, the whole background on Louis Kaboom is he is a bomb manufactured by basically a plant manufactured by Zed and Rita to infiltrate the um, to infiltrate the Machine King's castle. And it turns out that you know, Louis Kaboom is also a, a character that can transform from his bomb phase or his bomb uh, look into an actual like robotic character. And he assumes since, you know, Mondo is dead at this point, he assumes power because like I said, the machine empire is without a leader at this point. So it's just, uh, mm-hmm. it's just Clank Orbis, Prince Rocket. He fills the vacuum. There you go. And so we have about, I would say like five or so episodes of Louis Kaboom assuming power over the machine empire. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, uh, uh, actually the funny thing is, is in the Sentai, what, it, the way that happens is a heck of a lot darker, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So oh, he assumes so much power. Darker. Yeah. He assumes power, but eventually he is defeated by the Rangers. And then suddenly Mondo's like, I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he 
comes back and says, well, look at all the stuff you screwed up. It's a good thing I came back miraculously. <laughs> but another thing that happened in the interim while this was all going on, because someone else in true evil royal family fashion, someone else tried to fill the vacuum and seize power. But we find out that Sprocket has a brother and a sister-in-law. His name is Prince Gasket. And his wife, Archerina. So, yes, the prince, uh, the prodigal prince, maybe. I'm not sure. But he comes in and he tries to fill the vacuum left by his father. Because <laughs> everybody's this is very, just vying for the throne. <laughs> this is very like Game of Thrones, I feel like. <laughs> 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 that, that, that that might be a little much man <laughs> the, although you could say that about o-ranger because oh baby it's oh, darker yeah. in o-ranger in o-ranger from what you told me gasket and sprocket are not brothers they're the same character they're the same yeah in the same exact character because in the sentai king mondo dies and he is kept in this uh vacuum chamber with sort of like zordon a little bit his head is kept in this vacuum chamber with this liquid it's keeping him alive essentially and uh king mondo for for because uh, his sentai name escapes me but he but king mondo in the sentai uses what little bit of power he has left to rev not just revive prince sprocket who was killed by louis kaboom but actually assassinated there you go <laughs> child murder for the kids for the children <laughs> um, but yes, in in the Sentai version, uh, in the Sentai version, Prince Prince Sprocket is assassinated by the Louis Kaboom character, um, and in an effort for Louis Kaboom to take over the throne, well, Queen Machina takes uh, Prince Sprocket's body to this lower chamber where the head of King Mondo is is still technically alive, and King Mondo uses what little bit of power he has left to not just revive Prince Sprocket but make him better. Yep. Yep. Which so, makes a whole, which actually makes a lot of sense because if you look at the suits for Prince Sprocket and Prince Gasket, they share some very clear uh similarities, which makes it which makes them which fits perfectly for the which pit which fits which fits perfectly. I'm getting tongue-tied with them with with the Zio with Zio saying that they are brothers but they are the same exact character in, in O-Ranger, mm -hmm. the Sentai. So what is Archerina in the Sentai? Is she, uh, is she quote unquote you, Gasket's wife? Uh, she, yes, she is. She is quote unquote Gasket's wife in the Sentai, but she is also uh, Queen Machina's niece in the Sentai. Oh, because that's, yeah, that how very royal family of them. Marry within mm. your family because inbreeding can only lead to good. Yes. And the way, and just to kind of gloss over it, but the way the way Senta, the way the O-Ranger ends, um, Prince Gasket and Archerina actually wind up having a baby. Um, oh, and, boy. <laughs> and when, and when Prince Gasket and Archerita are killed by the O-Rangers, uh, the baby is left to be raised by, um, Queen Machina 
And actually, the fun, the really interesting thing about that is Queen Machina, when she is confronted by the um, by the old Rangers, because at this point, um, basically the Machine Empire has taken over the Earth. There is a little bit of a time skip, and so it leads me to believe that the old Rangers are now like the quote unquote the Resistance fighting against the Machine Empire. And there's a like I said, there's a time skip. Prince Gasket, Archerina have a have a have a child, and uh. uh Queen Machina is there. She is powerless. Uh, and that is indicated by the fact that she is entirely a, this gray washed out color, uh, which indicates to, uh, to the audience that she is now powerless. There is nothing like she is not the same. She's not, uh, she, she doesn't possess the same abilities and power that she did when she was in charge. But, um, in the closing moments of O-Ranger, um, they are, the O-Rangers confront them and, her dying wish and Queen Machina's dying wish is that the old Rangers take this baby and raise it so that it can then go on to be a good uh, person or a good machine that can live alongside the humans. I really have to watch O Ranger now. <laughs> it's really fascinating. It is really, yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. But anyway, here. He's trying to fill the vacuum, so he comes in and he says, well, I'll kill the Rangers, and he tries, and there's some interesting episodes we get out of that, like King for a Day. It was actually a really interesting two-parter. It was a very uh, interesting two-parter. Yeah, where I, we, again, we're playing on the idea of, well, let's corrupt Tommy because Rita did it, so why not? And the, right. we're, we are villains in Power Rangers, and we are weirdly obsessed with Tommy because we are the audience. <laughs> exactly so he captures tommy and then uses a brainwashing device and mm -hmm. messes with his memory and then takes him to a planet where there's a gladiatorial arena because every action show has to do a gladiatorial arena episode of course at least one <laughs> takes him there and convinces him that he is in fact the ruler of the machine empire and that the Rangers mm -hmm. are his enemies. And the reason he can't remember anything is because the Rangers tried to assassinate him. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a really, which is a really fascinating, uh, which is, which is, it's a really fascinating two-parter because mm -hmm. you, you see this, that you see this interesting moment where we actually get Jason versus Tommy. And we've not seen this in a while. We've not, mm -hmm. we've not seen that, the, the, that dynamic since green with evil. And it's just a really interesting, um, it's just a really interesting two-parter where the, the Rangers are trying they, the Rangers teleport to this other planet and they try to convince Tommy that he is indeed the red Zeo Ranger. Yeah. And then the problem gets solved with a hug. <laughs> Essentially, yes, because all problems, <laughs> apparently all problems can be solved with hugging. No, hug it out, man. Hug it out. Just hug <laughs> Just hugs it. They just hug I it mean, out. And I mean, that's what, I, that's what I do every week when we record for this show. I mean, <laughs> we, we hug it out, you know. Yeah. I come in and I'm like, I hate you. I hate you, Michael. I hate you. Hug. 
okay, I'm fine now. <laughs> and then I, well, no, it's like, it's more like, I hate you, Michael. And then I'll say, damn it, Nathan. And then we hug it out. <laughs> yes. That is one of my goals in life to get you to say that as much as possible. I even made you a meme for just such an occasion with angry Jason. <laughs> and I was like, anytime you need to say it to me, just send me the meme. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla, damn it, Nathan. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but it's it's just a really interest it's just a really yeah, interesting well, dynamic. And, well, and it's one also one of those times where Bulk and Skull actually get to be in the action because they get accidentally transported to the planet and they end up in the the dungeon where they keep all the gladiators and they meet this alien i think his name is trider who look who looks and sounds like he's straight out of mortal combat <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and they they convince him that they that they are earth's mightiest warriors and so he's like well you will help me escape and then they start going around escaping and then but then trider's like nope i have to destroy this place so all the you know no so gasket can't kidnap any more people and so they start doing all of that and bulk and skull get way over their heads <laughs> oh absolutely yeah which they tend to do which is you know this won't be the only this is a little bit of foreshadowing because this this won't be the only time that bulk and skull get captured uh by some villains but anyway we'll we'll, we'll get into yeah. that yeah, but episode. it was, but it's a fun little two-parter. Like mm -hmm. I said, it just ends with a hug because, you know, <laughs> admittedly, it's not, it sounds like it's kind of silly, but it's actually not as silly in context. I was expecting it to be really silly watching this again, but it, I, I'm like, okay, that wasn't as silly as I remembered it being. So <laughs> no, in con in context, in context, it's actually uh, a well and It's a hug done. from Catherine, I should say. So that probably helps it a little bit. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, I mean, that would help me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> cool. Be it known, Julie, if he starts ranting like a madman, just hug him. <laughs> oh, um, never mind. No, this is a family show. I got to keep it PG. Um, <laughs> okay, throw some kisses in there too. That might help. <laughs> yeah, some some. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. Some kisses. <laughs> Trying to keep it PG, dang it! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you keep this up, I'm gonna bite my tongue so hard it'll start bleeding, <laughs> and then I'm going to pass out from blood loss. I didn't know that was your kink. <laughs> That's just. <good. laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to dread being on the show until the next episode. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So, so King for, so King for a day. It's a great, it's, it's, it's on our yeah. list. It's on yeah. our list of, of essential episodes you need to yeah, watch. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, and in a kind of awkwardly edited episode, finally, Archerina and Gasket just say, fine, we'll do it ourselves. And it's quite obvious that in the Sentai, they are very, very dead. But through funny editing and new Saban footage, it's like, nope, we're not dead. And we're done with all of you people. So goodbye. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, 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 no, I, I know what you're talking about. They are they are very dead. Like they are dead, dead. Yeah. But like I said, it was weird editing and some odd ADR. And that's how they get around it, because they, I guess they wanted to save them for later, which 
yeah. doesn't happen. So which doesn't which doesn't really pan out. Which doesn't really pan out the way that the show kind of foreshadows it being. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, and then well, the last thing we'll talk about with the villains, we have to talk about our new foot soldiers, the Cogs. The Cogs, yes, the Cogs. Um, you know, in uh, when we when we talked about the Tengas in episode where in the episode where we talked about season three. Well, actually, it was it started when the, in the episode where we talked about the movie, the movie. My, the movie yeah. So when we started, we we talked about how. Well, I think it was you specifically that talked about how you like the putties more than you like the tangas because you could take the threat of the putties a little bit more serious because they're a little bit they have they have less personality. They're a little bit more ambiguous of like mm-hmm. what like what what uh, exactly more, they are. Uh, they're more unearthly, which is a right. little bit unnerving. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, you know, the whole idea that they're just they're they're golems, they're molded and they can, you know, it's just there's there's in there's an inhumanness to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Uh, but Whereas, uh, the tankers were just big dopey birds. <laughs> basically, basically they were. Yeah. And the cogs like you speaking of the cogs, I think the cogs are another point of that uh or another uh, example i should say of that course correction that this that power ranger zeo is trying to do where they have a more serious where they have a more serious threat of villains and they have a more serious army of foot soldiers in the cogs because for the for the for the uninitiated the cogs um are these manufactured machines which in the show it says that king mondo can manufacture one per hour which seems incredibly inefficient but yeah. whatever um <laughs> but we see cog- but we see legions of these things legions mm. and I'm legions. like what an hour how long has he been making these things <laughs> Yeah. And and like we're in, we're the, it is, it is shown and this is more expanded upon in, in, or in uh, O-Ranger obviously, but in the show we're given glimpses of this, of how massive this cog army actually is. Um, you know, you've got the, you've got the cogs and then you've got the quadrifiders, which are the, mach- where the, which are the, like the, the octopus type machines, yeah, which that- look a little bit like the tripods from war of the worlds, a and, little, a little. And yeah. I, and I'm like, first off, if you have a, an army, this massive, why don't you just send the army and invade? Okay. Yeah. Or, uh, but I also keep thinking, I was like, why don't we see these more often? Because I seriously need more quadrifiders and tripod things in my life yeah. right now. In the in the Sentai, you get more of the quadrifiders, and in, even in the Sentai, it's it's very much a War of the Worlds type aesthetic and feel to it. Whereas in in um, in Power Rangers Zio, it's still kind of uh, ambiguous. It's still kind of a little ambiguous as to what exactly they are. There, there's a little bit more detail given about the quadrifiders in the in the Sentai. Yeah, yeah. But the cogs are they're not as quirky as the putties were, and but they do have a bit of personality. But it's very artificial and mm-hmm. very mechanical, and that, sure. and they're they're scarier than the tangas for sure yeah. because yeah. they're just. They're aptly named. They're cogs. They're just yeah. gears in the apparatus in the machine yeah. that just do mm-hmm. as they're told. Basically, and there's no real talking to them. 
they just, like I said, because they're very artificial, they're even more artificial than the putties even, they lack the quirkiness of the putties. They can talk. There are instances in the there are instances in the show where the cogs do talk, but they talk with this very manufactured robotic voice that was apparently how all robots talked in the nineties. <laughs> Unless you are the Terminator, but moving on. On. <laughs> <laughs> so so those are the so those are the cogs. The cogs are the foot soldiers. I take the threat of the cogs incredibly more seriously in in, in uh, Power Rangers Zeo than I did yeah. the Tangas in yeah. six, it's in all, season it's three. It's just too bad that the cogs in the Saban footage don't quite match the Sentai. Because they have different color costumes. Uh, that's no in the Sentai. That's that's they do have different cogs in the Sentai as well. Like you have no. your you have your entirely silver cogs, and then you have your red and silver cogs. And I think there, if I'm not mistaken, there are all red cogs. I don't. I, I'd have to go back and look, but there are yeah. there is at least three different designs to the cogs. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, we talked about it a little bit already, but I do think, you know, before I, this isn't really connected to the cogs, but I just want to bring it up because I know we're going to have a pretty in-depth discussion about the themes, but we mm-hmm. do get our first crossover episode in this. Mm-hmm. And as crossovers yeah. go, it's pretty good. It's, it's not bad. Uh, it's, mo- no. it's mostly Sentai footage. So we had, you know, we ha- it was uh, Kaku Ranger joining up with O Ranger, and you can kind of tell that you know that even the villains and the monsters kind of cross over a little bit. But mm-hmm. like I said, as crossovers go, it's a solid start. Yeah, I, w- I wish it was longer because the actual team up is <laughs> painfully short. <laughs> I feel yeah, like it's, it's, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not terrible at all, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but we might get into that a little bit later as we go. So now let's talk about our new Zords, because a good Lord, we start uh, crank out those toys, man. (laughs) (laughs) Crank out those toys, because, oh, one set of Zords. Oh, that's not enough. No, no, we'll give you uh, how about uh, two main sets of Zords plus three extras. Well, technically, technically one is not a Zord, although it is referenced in the Ranger wiki that it is a Zord. Oh, or a Conqueror. Yeah, because we forgot to bring him up. We had him listed as an ally, but Mm -hmm. the Ranger wiki for some reason has him as a quote unquote independent Zord. Okay, Ranger Wiki, you're a little bit silly. But so Oric the Conqueror, who only shows up a few times, Mm -hmm. he's basically Ninja 2.0. In fact, I think it's the same voice actor because he sounds pretty much the same as Ninja. Well, it's the same. I believe it's the same voice actor, except for except for Oric the Conqueror does not have this Dudley Do Right. Uh, um, it's not quite Dudley Do Right, but it's similar enough because he's supposed to be like this incredibly noble ancient character, and he talks a little bit like this. Funny thing is, with a name like Auric the Conqueror, you would think he would be a bad guy. (laughs) Right. When he come when the way he's introduced in the show, he is introduced as he's introduced um, in a very similar way in the in in Power Rangers Zeo as he is introduced in um, is in the Sentai because in the Sentai he is he is um, whomever whoever possesses the key of the Auric the Conqueror 
can control Auric, whoever whoever awakens him with the key. Basically, he's he's basically I guess he's kind of a genie. Is that a good, is that a way to think about it? Like he's kind of a genie, whoever possesses the lamp. Yeah. Um, close enough. Close enough. But yeah, whoever possesses the key controls Auric, the conqueror. And in Zeo, uh, Prince Sprocket has the key. And uh, the way he's introduced is uh, Prince Sprocket has the key. He awakens Auric, the conqueror. Prince, um, Prince Sprocket, who is this kind of small i think auric calls him little robot child um <laughs> in in the show um takes pity upon sprocket and prince sprocket you know does these crocodile tears uh and says the big bad power rangers are trying to hurt me and my family and then auric says well i cannot let this happen and then he goes after the power rangers and it turns out that later on in the episode that auric finally gets the picture that oh the little robot child is not the actual good guy in this scenario. And so that is essentially Cliff Notes version of how Auric the Conqueror is introduced in Power Rangers Zeo, which is actually a very similar way he's introduced in the Sentai where he is first awakened by a human child and he attaches himself to the human child and he does the human child's bidding. In fact, I think the, the human child, like he grants whatever wishes the human child wants, like the human, I think in the Sentai says, I want to, I want all the ice cream and candy that I can eat. And so Oric the Conqueror grants that for him. And then uh, later on, the key is lost and it is picked up by the Sentai version of Prince Sprocket. Uh, and the same kind of scenario happens where Prince Sprocket convinced Auric the Conqueror to fight the O-Rangers and, you know, eventually it all gets sorted out. But Auric the Conqueror shows up a lot more in the Sentai than he does in the Power Rangers Zeo. I think um, mainly because the the footage of Auric in the in the Sentai is so closely tied to the human child character that he is attached to. It probably was a little bit difficult for them to use Auric mm -hmm. outside of just the Zord battles. Yeah, probably. So he, he's a fun little addition. Doesn't show up a whole lot, but we disagree with Ranger Wiki. He should be listed as an ally, an ally character, not a like Ninjor, not an independent Zord. You goofballs <laughs> we love you guys at ranger wiki but that was a little silly <laughs> yeah anyway exactly. so let's talk about the primary zord so we have the the uh, zeo zords one to five they're animal mm -hmm. themed and they make the zeo mega zord mm -hmm. and i gotta admit uh, you start watching this and you start to see what i'm guessing is having not seen o ranger i'm starting to think that there was a little bit of an egyptian motif in O Ranger, because I will confess these individual Zords, because like what what did we have? We had a a lion and the you had a Sphinx, a um some kind of sentinel statue, basically um a pyramid, uh, basically that they're they're drawing from um zodiac mythology and a little bit of um little bit of I don't know what you would call this. You you would probably know before. I, I'm going to describe this and you tell me what I'm talking about. How's the, how about that? Okay. Um, they're drawing from things, the concepts of like Easter Island, the Sphinx in Egypt, uh, all of these very historical significant landmarks that were, uh, quote unquote worshiped by different civilizations throughout history. Oh, maybe the, uh, like the seven wonders of the world or something like maybe. that. Maybe. 
yeah, something pyra- like that. Yeah, because the pyramids yeah. of Giza are one of those. Yeah, so something like something like that. That's that's sort of how they are introduced. Yeah, and or they're, um, and they're, mysterious things built by ancient civilizations, because a lot of those yeah. are associated with things like ancient aliens or something like that, because there are people mm-hmm. who just find it difficult to believe that ancient civilizations could have built the pyramids or the Easter Island statues and things like that. So, right. And so it's, it's, it's heavily implied Stonehenge. in the sense. <laughs> Stonehenge. Yeah. It's, it's heavily implied that, um, these, these creatures or this, this power is derived from a civilization that lived long before humans, what we know as human civilization. Uh, and so they were more advanced in their technology and in their magic or in their powers and abilities, uh, you know, telepathy being one of them, um, just very alien very alien powers yeah. is yeah. the best way I know. Yeah, how to in, put it. in O-Ranger. But we mm. do get some cool things like the the ones that are specifically like quadrupedal animals will basically pull the bigger ones, like they're a chariot and things like that. So they look really cool. I have yeah, they to do. admit. So, you know, those are animal themed, and then you know, they make you know the Zeo Megazord, and then they have the Zeo Mega Battlezord, and then they have the gimmick later where they can swap out helmets and get different weapons and things like that. It just screams, buy the toy, buy the toy accessories, you know, <laughs> swap yeah. them out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In, so they- in, in, in O-Ranger though, in O-Ranger though, and this is kind of the difference, this is kind of the difference between the Sentai and the, and the, and the Ranger and the Power Ranger Zeo is in O-Ranger, the O-Ranger project is a secret government organization that, builds and creates these powers derived from these mythical beings to help protect the earth. And these, and this organization has been doing all of this behind the scenes, basically remaining dormant until such a time as this essentially. Yes. By the way, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but a little shout out to our friends over at Zeo to Hero for making us aware of this. But I, I kind of think that the name, I thought the name Zeo was made up because it's just, you know, it's Neo, but you move the end <clears throat> sideways. Well, funny thing is, is there is actually a mineral called Zeolite. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it looks, you know, and it will look like a stone. So you, it's not too much of a stretch to make that a crystal so i just want to put that out there <laughs> no it's not it's not it's not a, too much it's not a, a stretch at all and like you said thank you to our friends over at the zeo to hero podcast for pointing that out to us we really appreciate yeah that. yeah but then just like with season three as seems to be common practice now with the sentai shows we get a second set of zords about halfway through the season so we get mm-hmm. the super zeo zords Ooh. Ooh. and these are humanoid and <laughs> Admittedly, the designs on the on this second set of swords are a little bit funny because they lean into the funny shapes that are on all the Rangers' helmets, and they integrate those shapes somewhere on the robot design, and some of them just look funny. <laughs> like the yeah. yellow Zeo Zord with the giant equal sign on, on its torso. <laughs> just, just like, okay, guys. <laughs> 
I mean, it's it works. It it it, it works. I mean, the, the um and the super Z, the super Zeo Zords in the Sentai are completely man-made. These are not derived from uh they're completely mechanical, artificial. Where at like where the Zords in the 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 Zeo Megazord is derived from mythic powers and alien powers, the Super Zeo Zords are completely man-made uh fabricated technology yeah yeah so we uh, so we got those are our two primary sets of zords mm-hmm. and then we get a few extras you know because why not at this point you know kind of like dragon zord and titanus right. and all of that so we have paramitus we've talked a little about paramitus paramitus is preposterous <laughs> oh it's absurd it's, <laughs> it's incredibly massive. absurd it's clunky because it has a warrior mode and then we find out that it's also a carrier zord and then his his back will open up and it's basically a collector shelf in a closet because <laughs> then you could take all of the toys and put them on the shelf. <laughs> hey, I, look, I still have to this day a pyramidus. It's in storage, but I have a pyramidus. I you have all of these swords. You know what? Go find a, one of your really crafty carpenter type friends and have huh. him, commission him to make you a pyramidus closet that you can just open up and put all your collectibles <laughs> on display. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know you do it. I have a friend who has a closet that looks like the TARDIS from Doctor Who that someone custom made for him, and he keeps all of his board games in there. Oh, I mean that sounds fantastic. If I honestly, if I had, if I had the cash, I would totally do something like. If I had the cash, and if I had the space, honest, if if I ever end up um, moving somewhere, like into an, I'm in an apartment now, so if I ever actually move into a, a house that I own. Personally, I will probably commission some kind of custom thing to store maybe not all of my collectibles because that would require a lot of space, but <laughs> some some of my more precious, important items, I guess. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, so Pyramidus is massive and ridiculous. He's basically the Titanus of this season that you can help them. Like they can all combine together and do crazy, ridiculous finishing move. But then we have a couple of extra Zords to go along with this because buy more toys. So we have the Red Battle Zord, which seems like an underwhelming name for this thing. But this, <laughs> because the I guess Red Rangers now get to have their own special thing. And, you know, this thing is a ridiculous boxing piston punching robot that gets fired out of a cannon. <laughs> 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 Look, it's it's got to be the most epic entrance for a Zord, honestly. Like this thing... Honestly, look, I'm I'm not kidding here when I say this. The, like the Red Battle Zord is probably my favorite Zord of this set because one, it it looks good. Like the the the, toka, the Tokusatsu for the suit itself looks really good. The design, it's it's not overly designed. It's not, um, but it's not extremely simple either. It's just it's just aesthetically, it just looks good. Yeah, as it Zord. does, it does. And then they do some kind of funny things like. They literally make a giant boxing ring for it to fight Punch a Bunch, the monster of the week, because <laughs> uh, it's got piston arms. And then, oh, it turns out that the that the piston arms, you know, if you played any of the Marvel versus Capcom games, Rocket Punch. There you go. I got your reference <laughs> in there for you. <laughs> uh, and then it turns out, oh, they're they're not only piston arms, they're Gatling guns. <laughs> <laughs> And then when it combines with the Zeo uh, Megazord, 
it, it the arms go up over the shoulders. So we have shoulder mounted Gatling guns because it's the nineties and comically oversized guns are a thing. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm totally here for it. I am totally here for it. And I love, like, I love the red battle Zord. Like I was talking, I was talking to you last night when we were prepping for the show, when we were prepping for today's recording. And, um, I said, now that's a Superman punch. <laughs> it is, and, it you, is. and you immediately knew exactly what i was talking about like yep. this this thing can like it's finishing move it can fly and spin through the air and like punch it and just drill straight through its enemy that way and it can also kind of suspend itself in midair and punch uh sort of like just a, a one two kind of superman type punch and it's just it's just a really I just it's a it's just a really fun fun zord. It is. I think, I think it's probably the most memorable zord from this season. <laughs> I will uh, I will admit. Unlike the next one, the hamster wheel of doom. I mean the the, the warrior wheel of the uh, the warrior wheel. I, I'm sorry. Okay, apparently O Ranger is a pretty serious and kind of dark Sentai, but then we have they have a vehicle that is literally a giant wheel. Mm-hmm. that requires the ranger in this case the red ranger to stand in it and run like a hamster to make it go yeah and it can also <laughs> well you're also forgetting and then it too, has a warrior mode because right. why not right yeah because everything deserves a warrior mode it's this little like it's this, it's, um, it's everything hang on, hang on. deserves it's, a warrior mode huh my microphone <laughs> deserves a, a warrior mode <laughs> My Big Mac deserves a warrior mode. <laughs> okay, so it is essentially it is it, it's essentially the Danny DeVito of this of this Zord set because he is so tiny and like the way the way it's designed. The way I am it's totally des- making that a meme. <laughs> the way it's designed kind of implies it has a uh, a very like foot like american football influence to it because of the face the face looks like a football helmet it's got shoulder pads it's bulky and big and kind of outfitted that way but one of the one of the neat tricks that it can do not only can it uh become a like the warrior mode but it's also it also can be used at for, uh it can also be used by the super zeo zord super zeo megazord as sort of a bowling ball yeah, that's one of their finishing moves, which is kind of funny because, well, I've been going through Wild Force and they have soccer playing Zords. Oh, the armadillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, bowling ball finishing move because, yeah, o Ranger might be dark and serious, but we are not beyond being silly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. So yeah, so those are our Zords for this season. And now uh, we just want to highlight a few of the MOTWs, the Monsters of the Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're almost entirely robots this season, in keeping mm-hmm. with the fact that our villains are robots. Right. I have, I have one. There's one notable exception that did make my list of monsters I wanted to highlight. Sure. So uh, get your list ready. So. I'll talk about the robot ones first. So we have, uh, I mentioned before, uh, Bo- uh, Barox and the Varoxes, you know, those bounty hunters, they're a little bit right. independent. I just like their design. Uh, I kept getting some Boba Fett vibes from them. And so that's why I really enjoyed that one. So, oh, enjoyed him. And, you know, the Varoxes were like his little semi double 
minions. So he's a monster of the week with his own set of unique minions. The one that I want to highlight, because I just think the design of it looks cool, is Mace Face. Mace Face? <laughs> oh my gosh. I just think the design, <sighs> it, it, it's, it, I, I'm assuming it's supposed to be, uh, it's it's supposed to be this mole type. It's like a robotic mole type creature, or shrew, or a robotic shrew type creature. Um, so I just find it to be really like co- just cool looking. Like it's it's all spiky mm-hmm. and things, and it's just really. I just think it's really cool looking. And so so Mace Face is one of my mm-hmm. um, monsters of the week on this mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And then I also had Silo. Who's oh, a giant? Silo, yeah, a giant missile robot. <laughs> oh, Silo's Silo's fun. Like Silo's really fun. Uh, it's basically just this big missile. Yeah, it's like this big missile uh, robot thing. So it's mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it's like uh, yeah, it's it's really cool looking. It's one of the uh, it's one of the first. It's one of the first villains, if not the first monster of the week, uh, that we get to see. Or maybe that's uh, Staroid. Um, yeah, I think it's Staroid. Yeah, Staroid. I'm looking. I'm looking at the list now. Here, it's Staroid, which is this um, giant star robot. So they can detach its top portion of its star to fire it like a missile. Mm-hmm. So, so that's fun. Um, that's that's one of my. That's that's definitely on one of. That's definitely on my list as one that's definitely memorable from this season. So one of my other uh, monsters of the week, and it's incredibly silly. I realize it's incredibly silly, but it's this mechanized skunk. Oh God, that one! <laughs> uh, uh, the, the skunk bot. Oh, I wish I could remember his name, but uh, 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 I've heard about that thing in O Ranger. Let's just say Saban used that character, but they censored the snot out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his in the in uh, in Power Rangers Zero, his name is uh, Stinchy, and uh, he's supposed to be a he's supposed to be in Zio. In Zio, he's a weasel, but in the Sentai, he's a skunk, and he is clearly a skunk because he's black with white markings, and he can spray uh, toxins out of his tail. Pipe. His pipe. <laughs> yeah, tail he can pipe. His anyway, pipe. moving yeah. on. <laughs> uh, we have one that I have to say the design is memorable, and I like the name because it's mm-hmm. a very much a Power Ranger style name, but it's not nearly as on the nose. Mm-hmm. And that is Somnibot. Because when you hear the name, you're like, where did they get? Then you realize. And then if you think about it, like especially if you see it written out, it's like, oh, insomnia. I yeah. get it now because he looks like he's drowsy and/or high all the time, man. And he <laughs> makes people fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. kind of like our co-host in common, Travis, because he's perpetually oh. tired. <laughs> Travis, you are Somnibot. <laughs> Travis, Insomnibot is Travis's spirit animal or spirit kaiju or spirit, spirit machine, I guess. Spirit machine. Yeah, spirit machine. There you go. All He's right, what do, you, machine. what do you got? Um, I've got two more. I got two more. Uh, so um, one of the more memorable ones, and this one's not really a, a silly 
this is not really a campy character. He, it's not campy in the Sentai, and it's not really played for laughs in the um, in Power Rangers Zio is Defector, which is this steampunk looking general that is made up of the various parts of cogs and it's basically he's basically just just he's basically just repurposed parts from the machine empire's scrapyard mm. mm-hmm. and he has this interesting uh he has this he's he's one of those sentai characters that in, he's one of those sentai and power rangers characters that will pop up from will pop up every now and then where he doesn't necessarily want to be evil but he does what he's told out of duty basically and yeah yeah and then I, then my next two they kind of go together because well at one point they literally go together <laughs> <laughs> it's from toward the end. Actually, I think it's part from the uh, Rangers of Two Worlds crossover, mm-hmm. which, by the way, props for the comic book reference there, guys, because that's a reference to a, a Flash of Two Worlds, which was a famous mm-hmm. story back in the 50s that mm-hmm. is considered to be the start of the Silver Age of comics, and it introduced the multiverse concept to the DC Comics universe. Mm-hmm. So that made the comic fan in me very happy. So we have Cog Changer, and I have Cog Changer because he's a cool design. His gimmick is that he can throw gears onto onto machines and control them. So he does things like take control of the Ranger's motorcycles, and then he makes them crash in rather spectacular fashion. Right. <laughs> and he, but he can also use it to take over Zords, which is what he does. He takes over one of the Megazords. But. <laughs> re- I just said, I almost said red. Zed and Rita, not to be outdone by this because they're secretly <laughs> competing you know, against the machine empire while trying to machinate against them. And oh, and they magically talk to Re- uh, Goldar and Rita and they get their memories back. And mm-hmm. Re- Goldar's wings grow back magically after getting reattached to him with duct tape. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and then so they they get reunited but anyway so they're like we're tired of this let's make our own monster and it's a ugly purse made by Catherine in art class <laughs> <laughs> which they were not trying to get i think they were trying to turn Catherine into a monster because they're like oh we can make the rangers fight one of their own it's like you already did that she was a cat monster for a hot minute in season three did you forget about that the show has a little bit of a memory problem sometimes i think <laughs> but <laughs> so like this is not the first time you've tried this but anyway they try to uh, zed and rita use their respective accessories to try to zap her. They miss, they hit the purse. So we get this purse monster that ironically is one of the toughest things. The Rangers fight. I actually kind of like this subversion where the purse monster is almost unstoppable. It's a freaking purse, <laughs> but they try to shoot it and the bullets and the bounce off. They try to zap it with lasers. Those lasers do nothing. Try to punch it. And it's so soft that they can't hurt it and it just laughs at them and rubs his belly and just like what the frick is this thing impersonator just saying so it's essentially to kind of 
to mix to mix worlds here, it's kind of like the the Rangers version of Hedera. Yeah, actually, it kind of is. And to be honest, when I was watching, I like, wait a minute, this is the same episode where they have Sentai footage of the Kaku Rangers, who oh, the alien Rangers, but they're from Kaku Ranger, and in Kaku Ranger, mm-hmm. they were fighting yokai. Mm-hmm. And now, so we've got Sentai footage of these two teams together. I'm like, I bet this was a, this is actually like a Kaku Ranger. This seems like a thing. Like you bring the, uh, the previous team back and you use something that's more like one of their villains because this does not, the impersonator does not fit with the machine empire at all. No. So I'm no, like, I bet this is, like, I bet this has to be a, like a Kaku Ranger style monster because having some sort of yokai that's a purse actually would make sense in Kaku Ranger. I don't I don't remember this being in O Ranger. Uh, so you say you don't remember it. You don't want to know why? It's because it's actually from a movie. That not makes total sense. The show. I'm looking it up that- right now. It is from O Ranger versus Kaku Ranger. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That actually makes a whole heck of a lot more sense now. In fact, uh, according to according to Ranger Wiki here, it is the first in the quote unquote versus series of films. Interesting. I really would like to get my hands on a subtitled version of some of those films uh, to watch them because I know there's several Sentai movies uh out there and they're not usually they're not very long but they are technically feature length so i really i would love to see this because that's why that's why i remember it from the show but i don't remember it from the set i remember it from zeo but i don't remember it from the sentai and honestly that's a really that's a really clever way to uh to bring in sort of the subplot of of uh, rita and lord zed messing around trying to muck things up for uh for the machine empire yeah it actually is so i'll I'll give them credit there so i bring them up because there is a point like i said they literally combine and they you know and there's a point where we have the the two competing monsters controlling the megazords and then the megazords fight each other and the rangers are like what do we do (laughs) 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 and they do eventually win the day but yeah, that was a pretty harrowing mm-hmm. episode. Like I said, I just wish that the crossover sequence was longer. That's my only mm-hmm. real. Well, I have other gripes with it, you know, that are not related to the superhero stuff, but because yeah. we talked about Billy and everything and that. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, so there are a ton of really, there's a, just a ton of really well designed creatures or monsters mm-hmm. robots in the in in power ranger zeo it's really hard to pick which ones it was really hard to pick from this from the list mm-hmm. of things that we got which ones i wanted to highlight mm-hmm. uh i promised you nathan i promised you nathan before we started recording i would not talk about the mechapede or the mechapede <laughs> or something i promise i wouldn't do that because moving on uh, <laughs> moving because there are on. So so many jokes that I could make, oh, but I'm going, but I'm not going to do that. I will let, I will let the G <laughs> I will let the listeners with attitudes. Okay. okay here. I'll use the, I'll bit. use the TV rate rating version. We're TV. We're podcast Y seven. Okay. Just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the, the last, the last, um, 
the last monster I want to highlight, and it was between this and something else. I'm going to I'm going to call an audible right here and go and deviate a little bit from my list and say and pick Antlor or Altor, Altor. That's what it is. It's Altor from the uh, King for a Day uh King yeah. for, for the King for a day two parter, the, which is their quote, their champion, their, the machine empire's champion set out mm-hmm. to, to defeat the power Rangers, which I just think it's a really interesting design. And I always wondered when watching Rizzio, why, uh, why, and why Altor's character, why Altor's outfit sort of reminds me of the gold Ranger. There's a reason for that because in the Sentai, this creature absorbs the King Ranger's powers and basically, you know, uh, does a power up and that's, and you, and you begin Uh. to see some of the, the physical traits of the King Ranger or the gold Ranger in this creature shown off. So Mm -hmm. I always thought that was just, I always thought that was interesting. Uh, it's an interesting design, but like I said, it's just really tough to pick, um, it's just really tough to pick in this because you have things like the Midas monster, cool Chrome, uh, you know, tough tusks and so many others that we could highlight, but we just don't have time. Yeah. But before we get into some thematic discussions, I do want to, let's talk about the ending of this show because this is, this has a finale and it feels like a finale. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the zanier things that happened in the finale mm-hmm. in the awards, but the, <laughs> we, uh, we have a definite finale in this. This was a 50 episode season. So Trey with the help of the Rangers reunites himself and by bouncing a laser beam off of three planets because sure. And uh, he gets to go Why Ranger not? powers back because they were slowly killing Jason and you know, uh, and then they defeat King Mondo mm-hmm. and, you know, and the Machine Empire. And then we have this weird scene where all the villains from past seasons meet up. They uh, Zed and Rita give the Machine Empire a tr- gift as a truce or something. Then get in their motor home because... Welcome to Power Rangers. And they start driving sure. away, and it turns out the gift was a bomb. So they just assassinated the entire Machine Empire royal family while gleefully declaring, We're back! Spoiler warning, they're not. Anyway. <sighs> and the Machine Empire doesn't even stay dead. Because <laughs> the Machine Empire never stays dead. <laughs> But it's so odd. And then you know, it ends with the the Rangers. You know, it ends with Tommy and Jason hanging out. And, you know, they have a little heart to heart. And the side was like, well, you know, we're going to keep going and doing our thing. And Jason's like, I got myself a new girlfriend over there. So I'm going to go talk to her. And Tommy's like, well, I got myself a new girlfriend over here. And <laughs> it's, you know, her name is Catherine. And mm-hmm. so it's a nice ending. It's, it it's a nice ending. It doesn't end on a cliffhanger like the previous season did mm-hmm. but at least feels like a real finale and you right. know and it ends with the promise of interesting things to come spoiler warning they don't anyway <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that next episode next yeah. episode yeah. anyway so what did you think yeah. of good as gold that was our finale before we get into thematics <sighs> 
Honestly, I, I think it was it, it was a proper thing. It was a proper finale with some very, we'll say, memorable moments um, in it. Um, it it's a little bit more. I would say it's a little bit more lighthearted than typically we get with a Ranger finale. Um, they lean. It makes me think that they had something entirely something else entirely planned to end this season with. And at the last possible second, this is what we got. Maybe, but well, <laughs> well, yeah, like they, uh, like people are fond of saying, uh, go big or go home. Uh, oh God. <laughs> I'm trying to save it for when we do. I'm trying to save it for when we do. Um, I mean, yeah, there, are so, there are definitely some big moments. <laughs> my god anyway. i'm trying to save it for the awards but okay fine the uh the this is the no, first you don't, time don't, don't save it just save it i'm just foreshadowing what is to come i'm just foreshadowing okay. so let's but just no, this, let's this just. is a this is a fun this is a fun season finale it does tie a few things up in a bow specifically the um the underlined war uh, I guess war, the prank war, basically. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really all I so can, wait, wait, really... wait. So the Moon Crew and the Machine Empire are just a, a couple of rival fraternity houses. That's <laughs> what it Earth, feels like. And Earth is their campus. Is that what you're saying? That's that's what it feels like. It feels like it feels like they're playing pranks on each other because the stakes are not like I feel like the stakes aren't even that all that high in this finale because with Ranger finales you expect the stakes to be very very high and they're they just don't feel that way like it, it's a it's a nice finale it's 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 a good conclusion to what we've gotten with zeo so far it ties a lot of things up in, in a nice bow but it's it just doesn't have that gravitas that a lot of the uh, earlier season finales or even the season finale uh the, the season finales that will come later have yeah um it's fun. It's, it's, it's great. I liked the, I liked the fact that Zed and Rita finally got, uh, got one over on the machine empire and they gave them their, their just desserts in a very explosive fashion. Um, thank you. Uh, but I, I just, I just like that. I, I think it's, it had some nice moments because you have at the end of the episode where they're the moon crew and the machine empire are meeting together and they're like, well, it's uh, the, I think my, uh, to paraphrase, I'm not sure. I'm not remembering exactly the dialogue, but it's like, Zed, old boy, you're better than I gave you credit for or something like that. And, and then Zed's basically like, well, thank you, King Mondo, but sorry, we have to run, but you know, we got to go. We got, we got, we got places to be and places to conquer and worlds to conquer. And what was the closing line from Zed? It's like, I feel like Prince Brockett, when Prince Brockett is going to find his gift, very, explosive or very, something or, like that or no 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 it's got uh, uh i think they're gonna get a bang out of their gift yeah. or something like that yeah but yeah it, it's funny they plan a bomb and you're and the and the closing moment of the machine empire you're greeted with all of their pieces including the head of prince sprocket and king mondo just laying on the ground yeah. trying to talk and uh, it's, uh, it's and they sound if they don't sound they're still talking. They just sound like they're mildly annoyed by everything. 
It's like, yeah. well, this is inconvenient. It's not a, you got blown up. You should be dead. It's more of a, oh, well, I'm stuck in traffic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's a little bit odd. But yeah. anyway, let's get into some thematics here. One of my favorite parts of our discussions for these episodes. Mm, for sure. And you and I were talking about this the other day trying to you know figure out what it would be we kicked around a couple of ideas but what we ended up landing on was displacement mm-hmm. as kind yeah. of the main theme because that's what all of the characters in one form or another are dealing with and it they all and they're all dealing with it at some point in the season mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the first example that would come to mind is a zeo beginning which is actually a pretty fantastic season opener I have to say, uh, picking up right where alien rangers left off and the care and the, are the rangers are just panicking. Cause they're like, what is going on? What are we going to do? And, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the machine empire comes in and cleans house and stuff like that. So you have the rangers starting off with no powers and no clue, uh, what they're going to do next we, you know, with looming threats on hand mm-hmm. And they think, as far as I know, Zordon and Alpha are dead. And so they don't know what to do. And then that gets resolved relatively quickly. But then, yeah, I think the Rangers deal with other forms of displacement, you know, maybe emotional displacement. Uh, Billy gets Mm -hmm. displaced as a Ranger and then gets displaced again later because he starts hyper aging. And I was talking with those, like, it's so interesting that ultimately, Billy finds home and happiness by going to another planet. Yeah. And so as much as that was probably the creator scrambling to (laughs) make the best lemonade they could out of exceptionally sour lemons. Sure. (laughs) I think they pulled it off relatively well. And, uh, you know, Tommy gets emotionally displaced by his dear John letter from Kim, I'm never forgiving you for that, Valley Girl. But, <laughs> but yeah, so they're all dealing with it at some point. And then the other characters, you know, Bulk and Skull, get displaced because they leave the the police force, and then they go and uh, Lieutenant Stone gets displaced because he loses his job. And then they go to start a detective agency, and sure. uh, Rito and Goldar are displaced because they magically lose their memories. Okay, and mm-hmm. then they end up basically as glorified house pets and servants for Bulk and Skull until they get their memories back. And I'm trying to think, what are some other uh, good examples? The the Moon Crew gets displaced literally, basically, <laughs> by the Machine Empire because they're they just come in and take over, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they run away. And uh, don't they? They say they're going to go live with Master Vile, but doesn't he abandon them, if I remember correctly? So they're just no, left on their he, own? No, he does. He he allows them because he remember. if you remember, he says, uh, I'll leave I'll leave a skeleton key under the mat. Don't wake me when you get in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they that, do uh, go to live with Master Vile. Yeah. For a while. Okay. They're just running around in a space motorhome. <laughs> I, I guess because, I guess they drained all of Serpentera's energy getting to the getting to wherever Master Yeah, Vial because was it runs living. on AAA batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and so the only way the only way they can they can get around is to rent a, a beat up 
old 70s minivan? No, it's a motorhome. Motorhome, whatever. Yeah. So basically, you know. so all of these people are getting sh- uh, shoved into a new place. They're getting displaced and replaced, but in some cases replaced by somebody else or mm-hmm. something along those lines. And I, maybe it wasn't intentional on the creator's parts, but I, it was, as you and I were talking, it's like, yeah, that's basically everybody in this. Yeah. And, you know, displacement is something that all of us at some point or another have to deal with. And it's not fun. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And it's like, and sometimes, and a, a lot of times displacement happens from, because of circumstances we can't or control ourselves. Like there are very few times, I think there are very few times that we purposely displace ourselves because displacement is incredibly uncomfortable. Um, like I, I think I, I touched on it a little bit early on in this episode where like this, this big shakeup that we're seeing, like the audience kind of has to feel a little bit displaced because we're in a we're essentially in brand new territory at this point. We don't know what to expect because everything we had known up to this point from Mighty Morphin on is now over. Like we don't like we don't know what's going to happen. And displacement is a very uncomfortable place to be, but a lot of growth and development happens a lot of mm-hmm. times in 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 moments of displacement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trey of Triforia is displaced because he gets split into three parts and loses his ranger powers. <laughs> Jason gets displaced because the powers are killing him. <laughs> yeah, but we also have a bit of there's a bit of a homecoming. In fact, that episode is called the Golden Homecoming. So we have mm-hmm. in you know to counterbalance the displacement theme, we have ho- the sense of homecoming. So Jason comes mm-hmm. back. Billy finds a new home on Aquatar. Yeah, finds a new life yeah. on Aquatar. He gets yeah. his happy the pr- ending. The impl- it is implied that uh, Prince Gasket may be a little bit of a prodigal from his father, and mm-hmm. so he's he's coming home to mom and dad, or to mom and little brother to help um, take over the mantle that dad left behind. And then mm-hmm. when you know eventually King Mondo comes back. Yeah, well, well yeah, a- uh, Mondo dies, which leaves a power vacuum. So that's a a form mm. of displacement. But then he shows back right. up and is like, ha ha. I'm actually not dead. And then he displaces the would be <laughs> the would be replacements, you know? So yeah. it's like I said, it's all over the place in this. And it's not the same as when we talked about with season two of Mighty Morphin, where we talked about change. Displacement is change on steroids. <laughs> so it's not just moving on to another place in life. This is literally you are being forcibly removed from something and forced right. To go somewhere else or forced to change it's not just adjusting to something new but it's still within a paradigm that you understand yeah yeah like because because we understand as the audience the concepts in the world building are very similar to what we've known before but it's just the the details have changed mm-hmm. yeah quite a bit quite a bit but with that, I think now is a good time to move into our our awards, especially since this episode is going 
crazy long. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, this episode has gone way longer than what I even expected, but it's been a good discussion. I hope the I hope the listeners with attitude have enjoyed it. Given the analytics on our on our uh, earliest episodes, I think they are. <laughs> I hope so. I hope I hope you guys won't abandon us when we get to something like I don't know Megaforce. <laughs> anyway, uh, although there's some pain, there's already some pain coming next episode, but let's get this over with. So Nathan, we have to move into our award segment. So if this is the first time you're listening to the Power Trip podcast, we like to give awards for uh, several things, including the first award that's coming up, which is our power range of motion award that we give to the best stunt or fight scene. So Nathan, what is your power range of motion award? There were several that I considered, but I ended up going with the finale will come up several times in the awards, but I ended up going with the Tangas versus Cogs (laughs) because there's a fight between a whole swarm of them. And I picked that because it's, rare in this franchise as far as i know where you see minions foot soldiers from two different sets of villains battle each other my money was Mm -hmm. on the cogs because you know yeah (laughs) although apparently uh, we do see basically a naked tanga very briefly (laughs) when this happens because you You got plucking feathers and all that yeah 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 my my runner up this goes out to you, Travis, because I actually, when I first watched this, I actually messaged him. It's like, dude, look at this. <laughs> and it's from the Sentai footage. So I'm like, yep, this is just Toei referencing itself. But Tommy literally does the writer kick <laughs> from Common Rider in the in part two of a Zeo beginning. And I'm just like, Yep, look at that. And then Travis's response was, well, Master Ryder is in Power Rangers, so maybe he learned it from him. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Tommy did pick up a few tricks from Edenoy. <laughs> he must have, because Ryder kick. Anyway. Right, right. Uh, well, what did you have? You know, are you, well, let me ask you this. Are you basically saying that that cog told, uh, told that Tenga to go pluck itself? I want to and sneak that or a set or just pluck you. And so I really want to sneak that in there. Yeah. And so a meme I, is born. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. There's a, put that on the, put that one on the pile of, of power memes that we've already <laughs> accumulated uh, for this, for this podcast. But my power range of motion award goes to actually your honorable mention or runner up uh which is called the zeo power kick um in uh in power rangers which is just the masked rider or uh common rider uh rider kick and uh specifically it is in uh i think it's in the episode uh brother can you spare an arrowhead is where tommy actually calls it the zeo power kick mm. and I, I, I just think that's a really good stunt. It, it looks good on camera. It's done well in a fight sequence. Um, so yeah, that is my power range of motion award. All righty. And then next up we have the ultra SFX Zord award for the best special effect. What do you got? I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I have my award, but I've also got a, um, 
I've also got a runner up. And so my primary, my award, my award goes to the red battles or, because we've already talked about it a little bit in the episode already, uh, where I told you where I, I made you, where I just said in my notes, now that's a Superman punch. And I just feel like the, the overall aesthetic of the, um, of the red battle Zord, uh, is interesting looking. It, it looks good. And I just like its finishing maneuver where it spins in the air and just Superman punches the villain. So I, I just think that looks good. Yep. My runner up, however, is I, I don't feel like you can talk about this season without saying the command center can reform itself. Okay. <laughs> so that whole sequence where, where you know what they did, they just broke it. They broke it down and then reversed the footage. So it looks like it's rebuilding itself. It's exactly how they probably did it. Um, but I just, I don't know. You can't talk. I feel like you can't talk about Power Rangers Zeo without, Talk, mentioning how the command center can apparently reform itself. Well, there you go. And then what's our next award, Michael? Our next award is our more phenomenal Mad Libs. And we give this award to uh, our best, basically our best line that we heard yeah. during our yeah. watch. Of this, yeah, for those, of this I should reiterate, for those of you who listen to my other podcast well one of my other podcasts henshin man totally stolen from that show anyway moving yeah. on <laughs> my award goes to actually i had several because one of the things i learned i realized watching zeo the first time is apparently one of the powers you get when you become a ranger is a puntastic action movie one-liners <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which it seemed like they increased exponentially in zeo but it my award actually did not go to one of those it actually went to sprocket oh okay yes prince sprocket during the the ranger of two worlds after they first see the impersonator he says a purse monster that's so last season <laughs> it's incredibly self-aware <laughs> he broke the fourth wall it's it's not only a reference to season three it's all i wonder it's like is that also kind of a reference to kaku ranger <laughs> that's so last season because <laughs> that was the preceding sentai so <laughs> yeah. what did you have boy i better so, be good <laughs> my more phenomenal mad lib award also goes to a goes to sprocket also uh, more specifically it goes to a conversation between king mondo and prince sprocket and it is after uh it's after punch a bunch which is one of which is a monster of sprockets making fails to defeat the rangers and keep the green ranger captive uh king mondo um king mondo back in its castle says to sprocket the power rangers were victorious and you let adam get away what do you have to say for yourself and sprocket simply responds with like father like son <laughs> and i thought that was that was like the bazinga i was like yeah <laughs> oh the sass <laughs> <laughs> And then we come to who boy, the I, I, I can't believe that happened for the craziest moment. I think we're both going to have the same thing. Uh, are we? Um, are we? I think. Are, are we talking think, about the so. uh, are we talking about the big moment in the finale? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, there are some definitely huge moments in this series, but none, none more. <laughs> none more huge than what we're about to talk about. Yes. So we get to the final battle and Mondo and some of his cogs, they just show up and they're already big. Like they're not wasting time. They're just 
huge right. when they show up. Like they just like they like before they even teleport down there, they're just like, hey, Orbis, whatever you spit, give us a whole glass full right now. And they just, <laughs> OK, and then they get it and then they just show up huge. And then Trey has just gotten his Gold Ranger powers back and he and they're like, we need to summon the swords. And he says, there's no time since when was there no time? OK, but whatever. And but this I is say, on footage. I want to say, say this. This is this starts the trend. Zio starts the trend with having with having extremely long morphing sequences yes <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah. so he's like there's no time well okay but whatever and then he apparently has the power to make people huge so giant zeo rangers fighting giant king mondo and giant cogs so for the second time in tommy's life he is well, he might be a giant. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely, I mean, I mean, like he was, he was definitely, a, a, a you know, one of the top dogs on, in, in Angel Grove High, but he's definitely the big man on campus on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just boy. hit the big time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! He, he was maybe. Oh, maybe he was. He was definitely a grower, not a shower. <laughs> the Power Rangers is definitely big in Angel Grove. <laughs> and since we have Mondo, he, since we have Mondo the Machine King here, he, he's clearly representative of big tech. <laughs> oh, how long do we want to keep this up? However long, long you want. <laughs> I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. Oh, I think we're gonna cut our losses. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> So, so yes, the crazy, like our, our, I, I, I can't, our, we share the same, I, I, I can't believe that happened award where the range, the zero rangers get huge and you've got Z, you've got Zed and Rita, uh, Zed and Rita cheering them on in the background. I know that's the icing on the cake. They're, they're sitting, sitting there, drink, there. They're sitting there drinking martinis. I'm just like, look at him go. <laughs> that's what we wanted. All of our enemies fighting each other. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, man. So, so that was our awards. <laughs> so that was our awards. Yeah, and, and, uh, <laughs> and now it's morphin' time. Go, go, this is the part of the show where we have, I uh, give our final thoughts in one minute or less. Are you ready? Tra uh, I almost called you Travis and too used to hench and then. How <laughs> dare you? Are you ready, Michael? How are, you, are you ready, Michael? I'm Shut ready. up. This is going along. <laughs> All right. On your mark, get set, go. So Power Rangers Zio. <laughs> 
It definitely ends on a high note <laughs> and makes a huge impact on the franchise. Yeah. And they were, despite a bunch of setbacks, they were able to navigate a lot of crazy changes and they kept everything going yes. and still managed mm -hmm. to finish strong. Maybe not quite how they would have wanted, but they still finished strong yeah. and were able to, like I said, keep everything going. And yeah, which sh it, it, that is very commendable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely went out with a bang for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, too bad what comes next. And time. Oh, don't be don't don't be so hard on it. But it's turbo. And we're doing the movie and the show together. We thought about doing the movie separately, but then we realized you can't really separate the movie from the show because the movie is basically the pilot essentially it's not going to be that bad i'm i'm ready to shift into high gear and, and do that one next it's episode shift into turbo get the catchphrase right <laughs> <laughs> oh so with that listeners with attitude that concludes our episode on power rangers zeo and as always may you always be good as gold may your psyche never be split into three persons and may the power protect you Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marchant. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at thepowertrippod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasts. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore R underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!